Oh, Connor, what do you got? <laughs> oh, Mike. Howdy. Yes, I have. Uh, I have some. Well, I assume you've heard it. I assume you've heard the news. I have not heard the news. I've been holed up here in uh, wintry Minnesota. Okay. Uh, yeah, well, it must travel slowly up there. The, the, the pipes are frozen, etc. I'll just read you the headline. Uh, movie rights to Fifty Shades of Grey authors The Mister land at Universal. <laughs> Exclusive <laughs> oh, from Variety. Boy. Yeah. Rights for the book, which recently hit the market, sparked a heated bidding war. James, who produced every film in the Fifty Shades trilogy, returns to produce this adaptation, which tells the story of a wealthy British aristocrat who falls in love with his Albanian housekeeper, unaware that she was on the run from the human traffickers. The Mister was on the New York Times bestseller list for nine weeks and has sold in 33 territories slash languages internationally. Good Lord. No mention of, uh, of our discussion of it, but uh, we have that to look forward to. Um, technical advisors? Is there any way we could get <laughs> right? Exactly. Get well, a foot in the door. I assume the king already has that role locked up. <laughs> but yeah, it's sparking uh, heated interest amongst our listeners. Notably, who is going to play Blariana? What is? Uh, who is has there who, been speculation? That was, of course, my first question. Uh, what, what's <laughs> what's out there already? What are the whispers? The uh, well, here's what I think. Um, you know, obviously, it's not the main role, but I think. She's got to she's got to make a cast her role for the Oscar bait at some point in time. And this could be one of those, you know, how like Anthony Hopkins famously was like in Silence of the Lambs for just 15 minutes. Judy mm-hmm. Dench was in Shakespeare in Love for like less than eight or something. This could be Emma Watson's chance to, uh, wow. you know, maybe one flashback scene under three minutes. But, uh, you know, a searing, uh, you know, bucket use scene could could finally, yeah. uh, you know, vault her out of the you know, a kid actor stage of her career and into Uh, into the big time. Hear me out on this one. A little bit left field. Okay. um, But provocative and also, again, a chance to maybe save a life and a career. Amanda Bynes. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, you can imagine the the standing ovation, um, you know. (laughs) You know she's she's done the speech a couple times on the award circuit, but everyone in the audience is acting like it's she's heard it for the first time type of thing. <laughs> redemption. I'm just hoping for redemption for. Or her, so. or they capture her on stage with the uh, you know r- running around uh, topless with the bucket on her head. So right. <laughs> Either way, we win. <laughs> so yeah, we have that to look forward to. I'm not. There's no uh, obviously no no date for it, but it doesn't seem like one of those movies they're gonna spend a lot of time on. You know. <laughs> it is amazing. Again, we. We did it knowing it was a bestseller, but that doesn't really, it never really makes an impression on me when we're reading it. Like, it's just a terrible, terrible book. And then you rattle off this things like it's a bestseller in 33 territories. <laughs> right. <laughs> that sort of brings it home. Like, really? No, it can't be. But of right. course it is. Of course. Well, yeah. And it's most likely due to the, uh, you know, just the, of, yeah, of, of course it's going to be just like John Grisham's book, of course, is going to be. But uh it, it, you wonder if the uh, if the legs are going to be there for uh, whatever the Mister Two or whatever the hell comes next from her. Yeah, you can live your whole life having never picked up um, any copy in any form or any sequel of Who Moved My Cheese, and yet there are <laughs> eight hundred billion dollars being made off of it, and you, you can completely avoid those things. Right. The, the, it turns out the person who moved the cheese was the uh, anthropomorphic vacuum cleaner, so that was the uh, <laughs> that's how that ties in. Uh, well, yeah. So, well, uh, you know, if we're if we're still alive and kicking by the time that movie comes out, hopefully we'll have a chance to review it. That'll be fun. 
But uh, uh, we're five minutes in without saying who we are and what I mean. So <laughs> right. we've done a really good job. If you've made it this far, you probably know. But I'm Connor Lostoka. I'm talking to Mike Nelson. This is 372 pages. We'll never get back where we discuss books that we're probably not going to like. And, uh, of course, we have discussed The Mister. We have discussed Shadow Moon. And we are currently discussing Moon People by Dale M. Courtney. Moon People, Volume 1, The Age of Aquarius, I guess is the full name. But... Uh, <laughs> it's lit up the phones unlike unlike any other book we've ever done, I feel. Yeah, you said more letters pouring in, no, cards yeah. and letters. Just yeah, pouring in the 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 amount of dumb sentences, the amount of email theories, the amount of uh just utter nonsense people are are sharing is uh is off the charts. So we we we've got a excited audience and uh, one of those emails that came in is from a listener named Jens who uh, did some did some dive a deep dive into our into our author and says uh, today I discovered Dale M Courtney's Facebook page a treasure trove of ramblings that make moon people seem coherent and well written by comparison <laughs> <laughs> goes to show that Dale puts more effort into his books than he does his casual writings it also gives great insight into the mind of the man and how he thinks about the world uh, I was sharing some choice experts with the 372 Discord today, and my fellow enthusiasts suggested I turn my discoveries into a game for Connor to quiz Mike on what Dale's likes and dislikes are. We're going to call this game Dale or No Dale. Sure uh, this have... sounds great. I just want to step back and say, wait, he puts more effort into his books than he does <laughs> the ramblings on his Facebook page? Well, you know. The... How do they possibly, how can they differ in any way? I, I guess we're going to find out. And, uh, it, you know, I mean, but, you know, published word, that's different than, you know, you would take, you would treat a tweet, for example. Either you, <laughs> but, or maybe. Yeah. There's, well, we'll, yeah. we'll get to it. The sentences, so yeah. All right. So this is going to be sort of like our uh, Amazon review guessing game, where you're, but it's just a, a positive or negative. Does this person, sure, does Dale sure. like or dislike this thing? Is he for or against sharks? I think uh, he thinks they're misunderstood creatures, and we need to tread carefully. They're majestic, and they've been here since the uh, you know Cambrian explosion or whatever. And so he's pro shark. Okay, uh, I would like to clear something up about sharks by using simple reasoning. There are those who think that saving sharks from extinction by protecting them is wise. It is not, because they are nowhere <laughs> close to extinction. Just fall in the water in the middle of the ocean and find out for yourself. Let's save all the good fish so they can live into the millions. If you protect all sharks, soon you will have an ocean full of sharks and very little eatable fish. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> so, 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 yeah. All right. Well, that's given me a data point to go on. All Str right. Strong out of the gate. Uh, number two, is he for or against Taylor Swift? Oh, I think, you know, bless her heart. She's uh, She doesn't have much of a voice, but her heart's in the right place. And she started so young. She's had a tough path. And may God bless her and her family. Uh, all right. Well, that's, yeah, I think you're, I think you are, have surmised uh, what his feelings are, but he has just posted the music video for her song Ready for It, accompanied only by the caption, Cool. Okay. So I think he's probably on the same wavelength. <laughs> so, so Taylor Swift, cool. Okay. All right. Uh, here we go. Is, uh, this is, this, this sounds vaguely familiar, um, uh, based on our other author of his caliber, DDT. Is Dale for or against nude ladies over 20 years his junior? Hmm. Well, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I would say 
I, I can't put the pieces together, but yes. Okay. I don't know how it fits into his worldview. I'm having trouble making yes, that. Uh, it is very difficult. Dale yeah. loves nude ladies, nude young ladies so much he will post their nudes right on his Facebook page with captions such as, thanks for the photo or very pretty. Um, what? I, <laughs> I don't know how that's... Where is uh, it? Like, what kind? What I, I didn't look myself, and uh, Jens did not include any. Thank you very much, Jens. <laughs> but uh, I, I assume that violates Facebook's TOS. I, I don't know. Uh, is Dale for or against predicting the weather? Uh, as a <laughs> as a man of science, of, of course he is. Uh, he's he's completely pro weather. It saves lives. Uh, against uh, you would think, <laughs> but I do not see how they can get an average from weather because weather is random and unpredictable. In other words, it's never the same. If everyone has bad weather and you have great weather, thank God. That is a uh, that's delving into uh, manifesto shack territory, which. I guess you could say the book does as well. So, wow. Okay. Okay. Let's just do. Uh, there's a he's, lot. He's of a wonderful puzzle. He really <laughs> yeah, is. He is. Uh, let's do. Uh, oh man. Let's do two more. Uh, is Dale for or against Gore Verbinski's uh, 2013 film adaptation of The Lone Ranger? Oh, does he have a hot take on this? No, he's against it. He was a fan as a kid, and uh, this was a violation of everything the character stood for. You are having a lot of trouble wrapping your head around this guy. He is four. In May of 2013, Dale made multiple posts praising and promoting the Lone Ranger. Choice quotes, I.O. Silver, O.H., the Lone Ranger rides again, and looks like Big Trumble, Kimosabe, Kimosabe, uh, K K E M. O S A B Y. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, uh, well, uh, it, we'll end with this one. Um, is is Dale for or against Native Americans? Oh, <laughs> oh dear. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'd say he's strongly pro. He is go for. With the... He is for. Yes. It's, yes. Uh, anyone who knows history and all the facts knows it was only certain tribes that did the evil things to each other. Uh, there were many tribes that were nonviolent and peaceful, and it was the English that started the scalping of the heads, and then others followed. Uh, he goes into details about uh, bounties on, on, on that. He says, it was General Custard that did the genocide oh, on, the Native, no. <laughs> on the Native Americans uh, after they were given the land by Congress. Many believe it was Lincoln that ordered the genocide to take the land back after oil was discovered on the land. So, um, again, Dale, stop typing on your <laughs> Facebook page and, and do this national cons uh, security consulting, can right, you? Exactly. Yes, custard. Okay, I'm all yours. <laughs> right. um, so yeah, that was Jens's research. We'll post the uh, maybe we'll post the other. I guess he's posted them in the Discord already, but he has a uh, a, a a few more of those. Maybe I'll post them on Patreon. But um, you know, as we have believe have said before, leave the guy alone. But uh, you know, his Facebook page is is, is public, so. Um, that's uh, yeah. <laughs> that's uh, that's you know an interesting uh, window into the uh, into the madness that has got us where we are today discussing moon people uh, for several hours on a podcast. So you're you're out on a uh, scuba dive. You're meeting your scuba dive partner. He is going to save your life as you do this <laughs> rocky thing. And you've got you know there's the boat ride out there. You've got a good hour to talk. And right. Dale's your man. And right. it starts off telling you how he doesn't like. <laughs> weather predictions right. and uh anyway let's get in that water and uh you're a lifesaver partner yeah you're strapping the the mask on your flippers are already dangling in the water and you say i hope we see some sharks in there today and you just <laughs> a paul falls over his face <laughs> suddenly you pull a hamstring and you're uh, i'll just sit this one out guys <laughs> 
so yeah, there's our author. But uh, let's let's launch back into the. Uh, to the to the book because we have a lot to talk about as I said and uh, you know the, we've we've got to delve into uh, where we left our hero because the first chapter is <laughs> is pretty incredible. It is just amazing, and um, you know the name attribution goes just utterly bananas right off the <laughs> right off the bat. Right, we should say that the so we we clarified last time, but the the Kindle and paperback are extremely different. They do not use the parentheses. Uh, name in the Kindle. There are some, you know, said Cheryl said all these people. So, uh, but the the paperback is, as far as we're concerned, is the canon version. Yeah, it is like uh, you know you have to do the major projects for when they were, you know, taking uh, trying to find Mozart's Ouv. There was a, a famous, I believe his name was Kershaw, uh, would uh, you know dig through all the different manuscripts and you would come up with the Kershaw edition <laughs> of Mozart. This is. Uh, we're sticking with the book as the uh, that is canon. So, uh, although I read off the electronic thing, but I just go in and check, obviously, on the, right. uh, the book. So. so Mozart had like you know Mozart's. You had the the requiem where Greedo shot first type of thing. Is that the? <laughs> that's the. <laughs> yeah, there are different things you know flying around. Like you know Haydn would, uh, or uh, yeah, Haydn would try to make money off the same thing twice. So there was a lot of different things. He'd like sell it to somebody else. Like, right. Yeah. And like there was like multiple um, monks screams. Right. Or like even there even might have been other Mona Lisa's or something. Multiple oh, Michael uh, David sure. statues. Yeah. 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 So uh, already uh, he has been compared to <laughs> right. Mozart. Yes. <laughs> Last time we had Vonnegut, I think Bukowski yeah. and uh, the guy who wrote Paradise Lost. So and of course, Hemingway always right. comes up. So uh <laughs> Dale, you're in good, good territory You've here. You've warped our brains. But yeah, yes. so chapter eight is called Saying Goodbye. And boy, how do they say goodbye? It's, uh, I mean, we could we, we could all hope that if we're ever, you know, shipped off somewhere, it goes as, as half as well as as, uh, as uh, this guy's did as he's, as he's leaving town. Um, I think this came up already, so I hope this is not spoiler alert, but uh, Sheral is his wife's name. Oh, I did not know that. Uh, yes, it's at the back of the book. I I went to okay. the back to to read his <laughs> to see if he expounded on the bio, and he did. And okay. uh, so his wife's name is Cheryl, wow. wow. spelled but, that way. So but, so, and I guess David is a lateral move from um, Dale. But then there are multiple other characters on the ship named Courtney, whose last name is Courtney. Right. But, so I don't I don't know what he's up to here, but I and I don't know if. Sheral read this before he <laughs> self-published, but uh, just I just wanted to put that in that light as we as we dive into this. Yeah, it takes on a new uh, a new light with this other man, David uh, who, Bramer, who's uh, getting pretty lucky towards the end of his run on Earth. Um, yes. Anyway, it, uh, so this this chapter starts thusly. It says, "Then David said, by Monday Halloween night, I will be sleeping on the base station." Sheral says, "Man, that is quick," and I just. It sounded familiar, so I looked back at how the last chapter ended. Uh, I don't know if you recall, but it said, uh, he says, we launch Monday morning on Halloween at 0900. And Sheryl said, wow, that is quick. So she's sort of uh, she's sort of trapped in a loop of remarking how quickly this is going. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, you know, you, you get uh, serving those two two twos and you just, uh, <laughs> the, the uh, symmetry of those get a loop going in your mind that's hard to get out of. Right, it's like when a waitress in a you know, southern waitress is like, you know, you're looking looking mighty cute today, hon. And then you hear her say the exact same thing to the next table. Right. Yeah. Uh, when I was uh, I was at the uh, Guthrie Theater here in 
in uh, Minneapolis years ago, and we did, uh, you know, Shakespeare. You're just doing it several shows per day. And there were times where I was standing on stage going, what scene is this? What happens <laughs> next? Uh, so, yeah, she's just in that, uh, she's in that loop. Where am I? What Did I say that already? Did I say that was quick? Maybe I did. I don't know. So Shakespearean acting, we can add to the list as well. <laughs> Please. <laughs> the list is growing. <laughs> Um, and then she has a she has a good comparison. She says, uh, "You're going to be like Spock, S P O K, on Star Trek." Yeah. Wasn't he? Wasn't he the first science officer too? David smiled and said, "Yes, he was. I never thought of it like that before." And I could not read it as Spock. I I refused to read it. So Spoke, of course, <laughs> that was in my mind. <laughs> hey, you're going to be like Spoke on Star Trek. <laughs> Um, and so, but she's, you know, just sort of like, uh, wrapping her head around all this, obviously processing it. And she says, wait, I, I'm going to get to know you and then you're going to be out of my life. Um, but, but fortunately David has some, some reassurance. He says, you know, you can call me anytime you want on my cell phone. Uh, oh really? Yeah. And I'll tell you of all the latest news. It will be great. All right. That does sound cool. <laughs> so it's good. I mean, obviously it's the future. It is 2048, I think. Um, so like, you know, my cell phone stops getting reception 10 miles out of town in, in Vermont, but, uh, uh, he's going to be just fine on the moon, I guess, with whatever service Verizon is now offering 8G or whatever. Well, when he, he hasn't even gotten his, uh, what do you call it? His startup papers or whatever. Right. Like, no, there are no cell phones, obviously moron <laughs> base on the moon. And as we learned the, uh, the, as we get to the moon base, they are still ironing him out some pretty serious kinks. Uh, yeah, there. <laughs> that is astonishing. Yeah, uh, um, but yeah, we don't want to spoil that. Yeah. So, I mean, after that, he he heads to school and and sort of checks in with the faculty who he informs is leaving, and then he goes to his classroom where he gets some more of the classic, the patented DMC simul talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if we, you're on Patreon, you uh, you heard that we unearthed a uh, recreation of that. Yeah. We, um, so. <laughs> It made a bit more sense after that. Yeah, yeah. A little weird that both Sheral and Billy don't know how to spell or pronounce spoke, Spock. <laughs> right, that or, that, or that they've, you know, both maintained it as a reference. You know, I guess there's, they've, they've probably rebooted the series a couple more times by 2048, so I guess it could be still going strong. True. I guess it's like uh, uh, Avatar where, you know, we're not in Kansas anymore. It's right. you know, good yeah, to sure. hear that that's still a classic. <laughs> way, way, way into the future. So, yeah, it's just like that. Um, oh, and jujubes were another thing. Oh, my God. They're yeah. going to eat your eyes like jujubes, like that <laughs> popular candy of 1936. <laughs> People always, there's sort of a popular meme where, like, Avatar's the, I guess now the second biggest movie of all time, but no one can remember a single character or moment or scene from it and i, I we we are somehow the uh, exception to that rule because we are i think talking about the uh it's only really that main guy the old crusty guy because he's the guy that says all those things and then does the uh robot knife fight at the yeah, end robot so. knife fight. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes but we're not going to rewatch that movie ever again please tell me no, we're not god no um, but, uh, so yeah, they, 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 they do the, the simul talk. And then this was struck me as very f interesting. Uh, Billy, uh, asks the teacher, where are you going, doc? Like, is this the first time he was called doc? Has we been told that he's a, a, has achieved a, a PhD or something like that in astronomy? Oh, I missed that. I just oh, thought I mean, it was a, you know, a quirk of, of Billy 
You know, a kid, again, from the 30s or something. <laughs> sure. Give it to he's... me straight, Doc. Come on. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, he's uh, he says you're going to be like Spock on Star Trek, and and uh, David replies, yeah, that's what everyone's saying. So you know, I issued my settle down to him because one person has said that to him. And then he's going to uh, he donates that he's going to call his class frequently. Uh-huh. He promises, and he's going to donate Zeus to them. Right. So this was his personal. The whole equipment was his personal stuff. And he was I, just using it in school. I guess so. You always hear about you know the you know teachers with their lament, laments of uh, having to buy their own supplies because of the budget. And I guess he's he's in a position where he's donating a presumably twenty thousand dollar telescope. Yeah, but I guess mm. maybe maybe since it was like not you know it was only ninety four percent accurate upon booting it up, he he might have just thought that wasn't worth his time. I guess so. Um, yeah, he's going to have one up there. So what do you, you know? What are you going to do? He's like, yeah, fine. I'll leave my stereo here because I'm going to <laughs> work in a studio, a right, music sure. studio. So, uh, yeah. So that was a great scene. He says goodbye to the class. Uh, the spooky uh, stuff happens, and Kathy says goodbye, mm-hmm. and then he just leaves. And he, he picks up Sheral and they, they go to Red Lobster. And I just thought, <laughs> that was really, really a good use of one and a half pages. Yes. Yeah. It wasn't exactly, you know, stand and deliver or something like that. No. It was. <laughs> <laughs> there was no uh, the students standing on their desk as the music swelled. <laughs> captain, my captain. <laughs> right. He just said, uh, he told David, uh, David said he wants to go with him. And he says, uh, I don't know if they need anyone else, but if you study hard, you never know. <laughs> So yeah, exactly. There wasn't uh he wasn't uh tipping his cap or doing the the breakfast club fist punch as he walks out the door. <laughs> uh so uh yeah, let's let's get into it. Well, but so the red lobster has been teased quite a bit and uh it's uh it ends up just sort of getting a uh, yada yada yada. Yeah. He, he picked does. up Sheral and went to Red Lobster and had a great meal and then they went to the beach and parked. Like, yeah, that is very disappointing. Uh, some insight into what he would have ordered at Red Lobster would have really, that would have been fantastic. Yeah, because it might have been insane. He might have like gone there and gotten a cheeseburger or something. He also, if, if the waitress or waiter there had said, oh, hey, hey, Doc, <laughs> the, the regular? Right, yes. <laughs> of course. A new lady, Doc? Like, <laughs> yeah. Or was the waiter nervous about Halloween coming? Like, we are not, uh, <laughs> we are not given any information about that. Right, right. Yeah, no, if, if he had uh, ordered off menu like the kids' corn dog <laughs> and crinkle fries, it would have been the greatest moment of our lives. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, so the, the parking is a, uh, again, you know, a 1930s term, um, you know, and cause we quickly learned that it is, it is in that sense. They didn't just park and, uh, you know, turn on the radio or something. They, mm-hmm. they, they, <laughs> they parked. Um, but so, so it says that David looked at Sheral with a serious look on his face and leaned into Sheral and Sheral leaned in and they kissed intently. Sheral. Wow. What was that? David. Oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> I'm not really sure with that, but like it is, it's about on par with the eroticism of the mister, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Although the, the, uh, the childish speaking during it is a little dis- more disturbing. Not yeah, that, get... not that it was very sophisticated between <laughs> those two, uh, but, uh, and, and then very disturbing when, um, 
you remember our famous uh, MST2 Get website? Our favorite, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we explain uh, that because I think I've referenced it maybe without explaining what the joke was. Oh, it was just we. Uh, some of the people from Mystery Science, as our one side project, did a humor website for a short period of time, and the the uh, uh, story went around as a, on the AP wire. But one of the headlines in one of the papers, which you know the headlines are written after was MST to get website, <laughs> which was inaccurate in ways that are, are almost indescribable. You just stood someone, in the website brand line and they, were, yeah, they, they someone issued you one. handed this entity called MST a website. It had nothing to do with MST. It didn't. So anyway, that's what that's referencing. But Cheryl got a big, sexy smile on her face. So it was... I don't. How does that happen? Yeah, uh, she she yeah reached into her bag and and pulled one out. I'm not sure. <laughs> she got so it was sort of a. It happened passively. She didn't do it. She didn't smile. There's no verb there. She just <laughs> she got it. So I don't know. Yeah, and yeah now so now knowing that that is his actual wife's name makes that seem even more disconcerting because. Uh, just imagining the the one photo we've seen of the guy looking at his wife smiling sexily at him is is, is very disconcerting. <laughs> um, and then I appreciated this. This is the final. This is the slam bang final sentence of chapter eight. Uh, she leaned in and they kissed passionately for about a minute, and then stopped. <laughs> so if they hadn't stopped, I don't know. That's you know, right. <laughs> they kissed passionately for about a minute. But then they, you know, their faces did not disconnect. They just stopped kissing. <laughs> or like their, that fear you had in fifth grade where you always heard about braces locking. That yes. could have been what happened. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's the chapter end. Woohoo. Yeah. Hearing, hearing the words passionately, but then about a minute is about <laughs> as, as, uh, as, as jarring a, a 180 as you can, can imagine. But it continues something in all of these books, the weird unnecessary periods of time stated so it flatly it is why insane. is that a thing so what was it tech war that that sort of pioneered that we're saying like he looked at her for you know uh, exactly two minutes or something like yeah, that yeah that one was more precise but still <laughs> I mean, uh, we, people people making out like you don't i don't need to know the exact <laughs> unless it's shocking like for an hour and a half or something and sure and it's notable yeah, I but we 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 get some more of that later too. We get some more. Uh, yeah, well, we'll, well, I'll bring it up when we get to it. But it is a uh, it's not just the first time he's going to be doing this. No, uh, but so the the passion continues in chapter nine, the shuttle launch, um, and that is sort of very much burying the lead with what uh what the main takeaway from this chapter is all about. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and the shuttle launch no is not uh, i don't think he's doing a euphemism there or anything oh my uh, god so yeah so we'll, we'll, we'll get to that but there is some some clip art in this uh in the in the print and i think kindle book that is we'll, we'll, we'll debate it when we get to it yeah yeah um so he was saying um they were both secretly thinking about what had been missing in their lives then david asked Cheryl, would you like to come to my place and spend the night Cheryl gave David a funny but sexy look. So I, I, um, I with a heavy heart, I, I think that we must have to do a photo imitation challenge of what that may look okay. like. Um, right. we'll, we'll have to post that to uh, Patreon. Um, and then uh, David says, this is turning out to be the best night I've had in a very long time. Cheryl said, me too. And they left the beach and went to David's house. 
and they made passionate love for a very long time. <laughs> so he does us the he does us the courtesy of, of that's the only only real description we get. You know, there's no there's no the Mister uh, super details about that. No, I mean, maybe that was the uh, the wife's uh, red pen, and then after the <laughs> <laughs> just extremely detailed right, six yes. pages. Of, <laughs> then Sheral went. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. So uh, at least that's over with. You may think if you're reading this for the first time, but uh, the the they then wake up staring at each other with a big smile on each other's faces. Um, again, I'm not sure how that exactly works. They've used right. the uh, face swap app or something. And, uh, then he says, uh, before all I was going to just miss was my students and no, now, well now, no, I'm going to miss being with you. I haven't been with someone like you in a very long time. I had so much fun with you last night and making love to you was so beautiful. Um, and I had flashbacks to, that's pretty much the, the first scene of the room, um, is him they 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 get busy and then he he says to lisa like you know did you enjoy last night um <laughs> so it's a uh, he's he's hitting all the big check marks here <laughs> uh yes and he says uh i know before all i was going to just miss was my students and no i'm going to miss being with you <laughs> i haven't been with someone like you in a very long time <laughs> and you haven't been with someone who will do it with a science teacher all night because he brings her to Red Lobster? <laughs> Shocking. Yeah, that's a good thing. It says a lot about humanity. Yes. <laughs> uh, but then uh, it turns out that uh, Chiral is just insatiable, I guess. Um, she must have, uh, you know, not been not been taken to lob- Red Lobster in a while. So she she gave him another sexy look and said, you know, I don't have to be at the restaurant for a couple of hours. What do you say about going one more time around the world? (laughs) So, so they're, you know, I guess, I think they'd said that they're, they're in their fifties, but she's using, uh, she's using the, the slang terms that, you know, that the teenagers would, you know, maybe be using to, uh, describe something they've never done before. Of course. Yeah. Um, I wonder Maybe the red lobster meal was omitted, but it was uh, just lots of oysters and <laughs> sure. Just what else is an aphrodisiac food? But I guess you know chocolate and oysters and yeah, they just ordered off the uh, the horny menu. Yeah, because man, oh man. <laughs> yeah, so uh, David says that sounds fantastic, and leaned over and started kissing Cheryl, and they made love again. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, then they made love some more and spent the day together. <laughs> yes. She calls Marsha who can fill in for her. And, uh, after they've made love, well, we're getting into ambiguous quantities here. Uh, they had a lot of fun and stayed Saturday night together and they made love most of the night. <laughs> so it's, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, someone might be able to assemble a, a timeline or a, a possibility of what's, what's, what's they're able to fit in here. But, uh, it definitely sounds like a, uh, you know, a kid at summer camp talking to his friends about like, um, you know, w- what he did or when he got back from summer camp, I guess, but his, uh, Canadian girlfriend, as they say. Well, and then when the wife is reading this and saying, honey, please, I mean, <laughs> Our first time, you fumbled around in the back of our car for like <laughs> our Chevy Lumina for like right. six minutes, and uh, I went away disappointed. Yes, 
I paid half the check at Red Lobster too. <laughs> right. Or like, you know, whatever they've been doing recently. Like, we've been married for, for 19 years. You, you fall asleep, uh, you know, with your hand scratching yourself watching Thursday night football as I'm trying to, like, lure you into the bedroom. Like, get, get the hell out of here with this nonsense. <laughs> oh, that is so bizarre. Can you imagine doing that, you know, writing a book, writing this chapter and having your wife's name? I, and it, doesn't he say that he has three young girls too? Like he has three kids? Yeah. I mean, that's, it's not grandpa. No, it's, you know, dad. No, at this point in time, <laughs> it would be, I don't know. It's, you know, yeah, you, I always think about that when authors are talking, just, you know, even, even Stephen King writes, you know, sex scenes that are just sort of like, Ugh. but like, at least he knows he's earning millions of dollars from them, but it still is like, I can't imagine putting myself out there in any way like that. Yeah. Wow. Um, when they arrived at NASA, so they do all this, unless you have more of them, it's just... No, 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 that's, no, so there's, I think there's five mentions of the making love, but some of them involve most of the night, so we're, our counter is, 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 I think, at a minimum five. And this was one that I, I wished we'd had audio on. They kissed passionately for about five minutes, <laughs> and Cheryl started crying and said, I'm going to miss making love to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is when his wife is just like, I, I am going to the bar. I'm, I'm going to the Bahamas. I need to get my groove back. <laughs> I'd love to think that uh, he, in front of her, erased all of this and then secretly published it later. <laughs> right, yeah. He just uh, he takes her red pen and just stets every entry of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yes, then he started hugging Sheral and said, I'm, going to, I'm really going to miss making love to you too, and most of all, being with you. And that is something you get the feeling he tacked on maybe at uh, after after his wife slammed the door and the tires screeched type of thing. Right. <laughs> um, then, but before we finish up with this, I'd just like to point out that during this whole section, and maybe I'm assuming coming up as well, people get uh, sexy smiles or big smiles on their face. They also give them. So they <laughs> give and they get and they have. So the states of smiles is very puzzling schrodinger smile kind of thing no <laughs> what what is the give he gave her a big oh, sexy okay. smile oh my god he got one on his face she gave one so yeah it's it, the state of smiling and how they are given or taken or made um very puzzling <laughs> um and this was one that was like a uh, an eight exclamation mark as i was taking notes she says oh and one last thing you take good care of myself you take good care of yourself. You're my rocket man. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so let's say, uh, and your, of course, is, is is spelled incorrectly. So it really just, you know, you can imagine how big of a sexy smile that warranted. Uh, yes. So oh, she got a big one there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we get some more uh, the of the, uh, the um, ambiguity. Ambiguity. He checks into Dr. Blues's office and took about 20 tests and was hooked up to a computer with electrodes all over him for about three hours. And, uh, you know, I think that that's just as just as hilarious as uh, as Tech Wars exact uh, time measurements, just the um, about 20 and about three. <laughs> yes, that was a, a paragraph that, look, as, as I said to you before we started this episode, the, the science has settled. He's a real man. He appears to not be touched in any way. He seems to be in his faculties. Mm -hmm. Yet, really, is this... Then Dr. Blues came and passed him on everything. He knew he was healthy, though. He had just had a checkup. 
that that is not an adult. His yeah, his no. four year old is sneaking in and bashing on the typewriter. <laughs> right. I mean, it just can't be. It can't right. be, and yet it is. So NASA, yeah. you know, allowing someone to go into space for ten years, they you know he he's going to say no. I just went to the doctor, and they'll be like, sign him off. <laughs> he sounds good. <laughs> Um, but then this detail, he was, he then went right to sleep that night cause he was so tired from making love to Sheral all night. <laughs> did the, did that turn up on, you know, the, did the doctor say like, well, your heart rate is kind of elevated and, uh, you know, you are, you are dissipated. Your, yeah. your fluids are low. Yeah. You've lost 10 pounds. I mean, I can tell you had some discount lobster. It's showing up on all of our tests, but and the uh, doctor has to have, you know, he, he has to be doing a, a full checkup. So he's got his pants off and he's poking around and he's, he, I mean, you know, noticing any chafing or like <laughs> turn your head and cough. Good Lord. What? <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's, uh, again, I, I, I hope we encounter Sheral again. And, uh, if, if we do, I, I, I hope that it's something just as ridiculous because this would be, if this is how he leaves her, that's a, uh, I guess it's good either way, actually. <laughs> yes. Uh, the, uh, the, the countdowns are a certain delight for me. Oh my God. Yeah. So <laughs> if you are unfamiliar with how countdowns work, he has got you covered here. <laughs> Do you want to read it? I think we covered it on fanfic last time, but it's worth a reread. Uh, then there was, okay. David looked over at Admiral Benson and he looked as cool as a cucumber. Then he couldn't say a word the rest of the launch. I don't know what that means. <laughs> then there was lift off 10, nine, eight. Uh-huh. Seven, sure. Six follows that, and then five, four, three. <laughs> next, yeah. Two, one. Ignition full thrust. <laughs> Not the only time that that happens, correct? Oh, it's even expanded upon <laughs> in upcoming chapters. It's delightful. Um, and then we, uh, he, they, they go up there. Captain Briggs says, "Happy Halloween," and uh, we get a uh, one of my contenders for dumb sentence. David looked out into space. With an awe look of amazement. <laughs> and I think that's where we get the, uh, in, in the print version, there is directly below it a, a picture of a shuttle launching, you know, the, the classic NASA space shuttle with the giant billows of smoke behind it. That is a uh, hilariously, the, the JPEG is stretched out of proportion. So it looks just awful. And uh, it's, of course, across the page from all the, uh, the Chiral banging and, uh, like you've said, in any other book, you would think, oh, that's just, you know, hack, a hack joke, hack symbolism. Um, here, I don't, I don't know. I'm not I, positive. I, it's not. It's <laughs> unknowable. Um, this does make the, the, he felt this was important enough that he made sure that it was in the, uh, the E version as well. Okay. Yeah. It's not quite a stretch, but it's comically small and sort of poked into the corner. Like, yeah, I noticed that. It's just. Yeah, so he didn't he didn't know how to use constrained proportions in the book, I guess, or just did it when he pasted it in. But yeah, the ebook is 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 like a postage stamp. But it's also what does it have to do with anything unless like you say it is a bad joke, but this is not uh, is it supposed to look exactly like this? <laughs> I don't know. This but, futuristic uh, shuttle that is. It does make me curious cuz just as I've been flipping through looking for fanfic, there is a picture later that's um you know, very much the Death Star. <laughs> yes. Um, that's on page uh, 58. Oh, no, I'm sorry. And uh, I, I, I'm surprised he was able to afford what I assume is the hefty licensing fee um, for for such an image, just because you, you would imagine that's that's IP that 
um, Disney guards pretty jealously. So I, I would think so. Yeah. And, and this photo is, is also <laughs> IP. So yeah. Right. He, uh, and you'd assume he, know, I assume he dabbles in, uh, copyright law. Oh, sure. You know, yeah. Both, uh, among his many. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you don't get to that level without knowing a little bit about it. <laughs> well, we'll have to see. It would be a uh, it would be a shame if that was something that came back to bite him. Um, and then uh, he says, uh, also, as they were coming close to Lunar Base One's docking bay, he noticed how vast space really looked and how beautiful it was. And that just doesn't seem necessarily like something that you would you know, notice. Seems like an odd word to use there. Like you're just sort of like, you know, I don't know, reading the in-flight magazine and just you you catch, uh, you know, you catch the the view of like what looks like the scene of 2001 out the window. And then you sort of just notice that, that the space is vast. Hmm. Well, look, pick up. look at that. <laughs> That's space. You know, I've looked at it a thousand times. I never noticed <laughs> that it was vast. He nudges the guy next to him and, and does the take off your earphones gesture and, and sort of points with his thumb out the window. Pretty Pretty vast, huh? <laughs> space for him is like the fedex logo in the arrow <laughs> you ever notice that yeah it's, it's the the dress once you see it you can't uh you'll never be able to see it the same way <laughs> he has to uh like the uh, spinning ballerina he has to kind of blink and look off to the side to make space small and insignificant again <laughs> or he does that and one time it looks vast and the other time it looks beautiful <laughs> Yeah. Oh, wow. uh, that's, a, that's that's chapter nine. That's all. It's a I man got. of science. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Chapter chapter ten is called uh, Happy Halloween, which comes out of nowhere. Yeah, that is, this I mean, is Halloween. <laughs> I so can, how many times would you guess it shows up in the book? What's your guess? I control left it. Halloween. Um, hmm, it's a short tome. I'm going to say thirty times. Okay, yeah, I, I would have assumed at least, yeah, double what it actually is, which is 13. Oh, wow. Okay. So so to me, that means that um, it has absolutely no bearing on the final third of the book. Yeah, because each character brings it up. It's not him forcing it on others. No, I mean, like I think... Like saying, uh, you know, it's Halloween, and uh, did you notice that? And then the people going, no, why would that be of any <laughs> significance? No, everybody brings it up. Everyone's concerned about it, yeah. But uh, yeah, so I, I assumed that was going to have some sort of payoff, but uh, I think this might be the last one. Incredible, incredible. Uh, uh, d- dive into chapter 10. Yeah, let's do it. Um, this, I think, is the first time that it changes perspective to first person for no apparent reason. Yeah, well, that that goes in and out, right? Yeah, it does for the rest of it, I think. But yeah, he says he starts saying stuff like docking went smooth as butter. They made it look so easy. We had to wait about 30 minutes before we could unload off the shuttle. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so yeah, it's, maybe he's uh, we're missing something. He's a master of doing this. Maybe this is some technique. Pull, pull us in and out of the action in ways that surprise us and give us fresh eyes on the situation. <laughs> I don't, I don't I'm not benefit of I don't the doubt. believe that for a I don't second know if he's of earned it, yeah uh but I just I enjoyed that you know the the wait time of them having to unload is you know comparable or substantially less than many commercial airlines you fly these days where it's like folks we've you know we've arrived early this is a good thing however they do not have any air stairs available so we are going to be waiting for an indefinite amount of time yeah. please sit down like this is going to take at least an hour um well, my first sentence is, I, I just have a note that, like, it's so dumb, it might not be fair. 
Um, <laughs> I as, believe. I mean, we've crossed that line. Here. I guess yeah. so. I guess so. But he's he's walking, uh, getting the tour as we walk. I will point out some of the general places like restaurants and shopping facilities where we have anything you would want or be able to get on Earth. <laughs> I mean, that, I would the, just be if if I was talking to someone who said that, I would say, "Are are you okay? Do we need to?" <laughs> Let's sit down on this bench over here. I'll get some water and put a cloth on the back of your neck. Right, yes. Uh, yeah, because what's the Venn diagram of that, of wanting versus being able to get things? I don't know. <laughs> um, but uh, that, that was – it's Lieutenant Courtney who's giving him that tour. It's a woman. But uh, she says – she keeps going, uh, we have it all here. Uh, we are totally self-sufficient. We even have a huge greenhouse. We have one of the best observatories around. I go there quite often to think. We also have a few lounges on board where everyone gets together and has a lot of fun. Uh, so that's that. That's the that's the tour. And then David's first response. <laughs> uh, hey, do we have livestock on board too, or does everything come prepackaged? So that is his first question upon <laughs> arriving in space. And you know, it's not like you know. <laughs> <laughs> do like, what are we going to eat like you know what are we where, how does the food work like what, i've noticed that there appears to be a lack of gravity in some parts of this ship he uh he's concerned about whether there's any cows there <laughs> and so um this was something that i had to do some digging on i uh i went to the dark web and there is actually a whole sort of theory about uh dale's dale, sorry dale uh trucking through time david's family tree Oh, really? Yeah, this is sort of like a a, a theory that like, mm, well, it makes it doesn't make him look good, but it does sort of explain that this is like almost a hereditary issue. Oh, um, the the this kind of questioning, this kind of. Uh, yes, uh, almost a, a, a type of questioning that sort of seems to come out of nowhere, uh, seems wildly inappropriate when presented with sort of an extraordinary situation. Uh, you're focused on, you know, sort of off screen minutia, I would right, say. Right. Um, so there's there's a whole um, like sub community of, of of historical reenactors as we've we've seen before, but they sort of took the uh, the um, Bramer family tree um, and sort of like examined how they would have reacted in some other um, you know astonishing situations. Oh wow, yeah. that that is fascinating. People yeah, out there doing good work. They are. They are. It, it's it's a lot of people online are, are doing stupid stuff, you know, erotic sonic fan art and that sort of things. But these people are, are focused on on things to make the world a better place. Wow. Well, let's, uh, should we queue it up? Let's do it. As we walk, I will point out some of the general places, restaurants, shopping facilities. We have it all here, sir. We are totally self-sufficient. We even have a huge greenhouse. We have one of the best observatories around. I go there quite often to think. We also have a few lounges on board where everyone gets together and has a lot of fun. Do we have any livestock on board, too, or does everything come prepackaged? Um, I mean, we don't. We don't have an. Is that really your first question? Yes. Do you have livestock on your space station? Why is that a weird thing to want to know? B because you just got here. You upended your life in the past 48 hours. You've ascended into the heavens, marveled at the earth from afar, gained a whole new perspective on the universe. And the first thing you want to know is whether there are cows in space? Hey, pal. I'm a bramer. We come from a long line of curious idiots. The desert outside of Egypt. Moses. Moses Bramer. Holy crap, a burning bush. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, 
and the god of Jake. Cool. Hey, god, uh, does Ramsey shave his head, or is he naturally bald? I... what? But it's not a big deal if you can't tell me. Rome, Italy. So, Pope Bramer, if you'll just step into the chapel, you can take a look at my latest masterwork. Ah, oh, amazing, a Michelangelo. Yeah, it took a years, but I'm pretty proud of it. Hey, you ever uh, paint a cat? Like, uh, you take in a brush and uh, put the paint on the cat? What? Why would I do that? Oh, I uh, don't know. You're the artist, dick. The Matrix. So, Neo Bramer, this is the real world. Your eyes are now open. The Matrix, what you called real, is merely a simulation. Whoa. I know. Kind of rocks you back on your heels, huh? So, did someone in the Matrix have to program in the Cincinnati Bengals 1988 touchdown celebration, the Icky Shuffle? The first ever press conference called by Banksy. Hello, folks. I've decided that after years of anonymity, I'd give a press conference. But, you know, since I'm quirky, I'll only be answering one question. I'm, of course, wearing a mask, but maybe that will change if someone asks the right question. (laughs) Yes, you in the front row. Hi, Banksy. Chet Bramer, Washington Post. Have you ever painted a cat, like, uh, taken a brush and put the paint all... No. No, of course not. This press conference is over. The trading floor on Wall Street. Welcome to the floor, new blood. You see the car I drive, the models I bang. It can all be yours if you pay attention and ask the right questions. Hey, is that a real bell or is it a fake one? And they have someone who you can't see who rings a bell at the exact same time that the guest rings the fake one. Uh, one second, please. Hello, Jeff. Cancel the models. The top floor of Scientology headquarters. Welcome to our headquarters, Member Bramar. You finally ascended to the top rank of our organization. All our secrets are yours to behold. Member Cruz is here, of course. He's willing to answer everything as well. Okay. Mystery flavor airheads, the ones that come in the white wrapper, what's their deal? What flavor? Member Cruz, don't answer that. Okay, well, same question, but for dumb, dumb lollipops. The press conference after the world premiere of Lost in Translation. Wow, what a movie, huh? So glad Sophia asked me to star alongside Scarlett. I assume you've all got questions. <laughs> one big one in particular, perhaps? Yes, 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 Mr. Murray, Mr. Murray. You there. <laughs> when you whispered to her at the end... Um, <laughs> I knew it. Were you wondering what the that was in Meatloaf's I'd do anything for love, but I won't do that? Okay, just for that, I'm making larger than life, too. <laughs> Comic Con. Mike, thanks for taking time out of your con to do this podcast interview. Really appreciate you trekking across town. This was the only hotel room I could afford. Oh, no problem. Anything for a fan. Okay, so when you're writing one of these Rift Tracks episodes, how many times do you guys have to watch the movies? Heaven. Welcome, Mr. Bramer. You've made it to the pearly gates. You now reap the benefits of a life well lived. 
All the happiness and knowledge you require are now yours. Oh, thanks, God. Hey, say, did Avery Schreiber make it in? What, the, the Doritos spokesman from the 70s? Why, sure. He, wait, what the hell am I doing? Hey, uh, what does that lever you're pulling do? Tell your great-great-great-great-grandpa you can kiss Ramsey's naturally smooth butt. So there you have it. Uh, mm. the, you know, they, they delved deep into some, you know, I guess, historical and fictional situations. Um, Once again, uh, yeah, very clarifying when you, uh, when you realize, you know, the, the depth behind it. Because it yes. comes out of nowhere, but once you once you get the backstory, like, well, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, you don't hold it against him. I, comes I, by I, it honestly. I enjoyed that the, I mean, the dark web um, reenactors are sort of projecting uh, annoyance onto onto us in that in that one situation, the uh, right. the Comic Con interview. So that was right. very interesting to. <laughs> but uh, right after the the explanation for that, this is a. Uh, I just said this is a, a radical and powerful visionary view of the future. Uh, no, sir, we're going to have livestock, but we realize we really don't need livestock. <laughs> For instance, we use powdered milks, powdered eggs. Some people have pets, and we have one private that has a couple of chickens for real <laughs> eggs, but you have to have special permission, though. <laughs> so I just, you know, like once again, 2001 A Space Odyssey. This vision is permits for chickens <laughs> oh, man. and powdered milk and powdered eggs. Except yeah. for one couple, so. <laughs> it is a uh, truly like you could you could probably do an entire book on that situation, and I would read it. <laughs> it's like submitting the paperwork, like you know, initially getting rejected and filing an appeal up the ladder. Like what makes him, you know, what makes him so determined to have these chickens in the first place? Uh, his first uh, initial rejection, and then uh, a passionate speech at a uh, at the meeting. You know, yeah, like, the slow clap that follows. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That or the uh, the uh, you know sneaking the chicken on board contraband you know beforehand and and then uh, you know waiting to get, hopefully get it approved. Yeah, but this and, whole tour it put me in mind of for a short time I worked for temp agencies, and uh, you know when you you your first day at a temp agency and you get the walkthrough, and sometimes the over explaining is just insane like. <laughs> Over here is our vending machine. Um, here are some items on top that are sort of the crunchy snacks. Like, yeah, yeah we, can, <laughs> right. we can quickly move past this. Right, uh, yeah. But here's what she says. If you notice, we have everything categorized with the alphabet, like each of the sections on board are A through Z. <laughs> we also use numerical order. Your quarters are in section in D section room 106. Yeah. So I, I appreciate the the really drilling down on how that is truly insane. <laughs> it's uh, so yeah. It's, your your quarters are in D. So what is that next to section R? No, sir. We actually use a uh, alphabetical method of organizing things. And, oh, uh, you, you don't go by uh, the uh, president's wives' names. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Taft's uh, wife, Cheryl. So they were some deeply <laughs> erotic stuff in the eighteen hundreds about. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, walkthroughs also a thing. Uh, you know, remember the walkthrough uh, from Ready Player uh, One, right? Yeah, Ready Player One. It took yeah. him took him down the hall of uh, of the uh, the Sucksaurus headquarters. Yeah, two minutes in the in the uh, chat room, walking down the hall. <laughs> chat room, chat link. I don't recall chat link. I think, okay. yes. But I like this. Uh, I like this description. This is a good. Uh, um, this really shows that they put a lot of thought into it. Just like any other apartment on Earth. 
Uh, some are very elaborate. Yours is like medium to elaborate. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I, you know, you get the sense they, they might not be uh, baking fresh cookies when they're showing these uh, these places to people. Yes. This was one of my, uh, I don't know, 40 or so dumb sentences <laughs> yes. of the week. <laughs> there was an abundance of them. One of the next ones is, uh, it was one of my contenders as well, uh, when he first you know, no, gets into his apartment. David noticed how nice his place was <laughs> and said, very nice. This is nicer than my house on earth. <laughs> It is, <laughs> it's that sort of thing that is just like, I couldn't make it up. I, I honestly don't think um, if we were trying, we could do something like that. But his or her response to that, then the lieutenant said, all of the plumbing is the same on Earth, except there are little water pumps in the system to help it along. <laughs> the waste all goes to an area where the water is separated from the waste, and the waste is dried, and then the waste is taken to the greenhouse to be used as fertilizer. We do add a lot of things to the waste. <laughs> so I just said this place was pretty nice. I should have And now you're focusing 100% on feces. Yes. And then, you know, again, this is sort of like him asking if they have livestock on board. It's like this is a detail to maybe, uh, you know, a, a year in being like, by the way, like, what, you know, <laughs> right. what is happening to all this stuff? Like, no one would be concerned about that in the first place. But this is a... Uh, um, uh, top on her list of things to discuss what uh, do you think is going on in uh in author's mind about the uh, on earth there are little water pumps in the system to help it along <laughs> what well that's detail what they say is lodged in his brain that he needed to get that out on paper that's what they say except right that, except that's, there that's are what they little... change <laughs> yeah <laughs> right so on earth we don't use little pumps in the system <laughs> i'm pretty sure there's a, a lot of them yeah, I would hope it's not just like an aqueduct gravity-powered system at this day and age. I mean, there I understand water towers, but I'm pretty sure, uh, yeah, I've, I've always had a pump in our systems. Anyway. Well, it's just part of the world building, Mike, and I think you, you get no better world building than her uh, forthcoming discussion about the gravity on the, uh, My on, the, God. Yes. on the lunar base, on all three of the lunar bases. Truly incredible. Let's just read some of this. Uh, some places, you'll notice, have more gravity than others. We have a lot of areas that have no gravity that we can't help. Like, and so this, uh, you know, if you're, if you're, if you've got a guy approving permits for chickens, maybe that guy's salary could have been devoted towards someone to fix the problem of not having gravity in some places on your lunar base. Like, <laughs> yes. I don't know how it works and I'm not the man to solve it, but it just seems like, uh, that's, that's wildly unsafe. Uh, I, I would think so because things like this happen. Uh, the gravity thing has got its pros and cons. <laughs> you wouldn't, you'd think it would mostly be mostly cons. Mostly be cons, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, for instance, you'll be sleeping and you will wake up floating over your bed. <laughs> Pro or con, I'm not sure. For a second or two and then fall back on the bed. We've had a few minor injuries already, but nothing serious yet because everyone is usually asleep on their beds when it happens. <laughs> I, I just put that as the dumb sentences of the century. Yeah. I don't. What are you spending time saying? What is this madness? <laughs> so she's saying sometimes it'll occur in the like, you know, five minutes where you're actually falling asleep. Um, but m most of the time it occurs when you're in bed asleep. But injuries. So if you're awake, injuries would occur. But the injuries aren't serious because everyone is usually asleep on their bed when it happens. 
you know, you read about how, you know, prisoners are, are woken up by them playing, you know, like Metallica every hour or strobe lights. And this is pretty much what that sounds like, a, a, a torture technique. So strange. <laughs> and, but, but then, but so, yeah, so that's a con. But sometimes uh, some places you'll notice have more. Oh, sorry. In some areas on the ship, you'll see the gravity is about one half of our normal gravity. And it's really fun because you're, while you are, like Superman. Two words, Superman. <laughs> And so I just, you know, in a in a normal situation, in a, a book written by a non-lunatic, you would have a guy being like, you didn't tell me this before I committed a decade of my life to living on this death trap? Like, <laughs> fix, fix it, you know, fix this place, uh, because, I, like, no one mentioned this at all before I got up here. Uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> well, they didn't mention much of anything. I mean, right. it was, yeah, it is sort of a phone call him. to the school, and I'll meet you at the thing. And, uh... <laughs> uh, but she says, regarding the games, we are studying this, and we're just starting to design new games every day. Which, like, again, the priorities seem a touch, uh, a touch out of whack. Like, you know, I guess it's sort of a, uh, you know accentuate the positive like let's play some games while we don't have gravity but you would you would assume that uh people are going to die because of this at some point in time so maybe uh instead of designing a new version of kick the can in zero g you could you could just eliminate the zero g yeah it uh it reminded me of the uh you know the the very very tedious thing of please when you're seated on an airplane please you know put your seatbelt on because of unexpected turbulence and you always right. go like well it's never happened to me but uh, my I, my friend, who's a pilot, he uh, flew one where there was unexpected turbulence, or maybe it was like one of his co-pilots or something told him. But uh, like a hundred people injured with scalps oh. torn off and everything because. They, <laughs> and so I've been uh, that 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 one scared me straight. I just put the damn seatbelt on. Right. But yeah, if if suddenly uh, the gravity is disappearing, you've got people with. Major, major injuries. Yes. And you would assume that would wreak havoc on, yeah, your, your you know, digestion and, and all just sort of basic, you know, body functions in terms of health. But uh, And you're bashing into chickens flying around and, you know. <laughs> hey, did someone have a permit for those? <laughs> uh, but the, she does focus on that a bit. She says, you wake up so rested, you feel great, and you do also do not need as much sleep because of it. Some people get space sickness. Don't worry, we have a fully staffed hospital that has all the latest advancements. We also have several gyms on board all over the ship. So she just, space sickness is is just tossed in before you mention, you know, the generous uh, workout room policy with no further elaboration or, uh, you know, ease of his alarm. Uh, yeah, um, uh, Connor, uh, we have to be in the studio together. I, I do uh, have the coronavirus, but don't worry, there's a hospital. <laughs> right. Not yeah, don't worry. Rick provides bottled water and a trail mix, so yeah. uh, let's get recording. Uh, I'm still I'm still worried about the space sickness <laughs> yeah. because I have right. to go to the hospital to get it, it treated. It wouldn't even be coronavirus. It would be, you know, the, whatever the disease is in 10 years from now that I've never heard of. Um, but then we get uh, some deep concern about ringtones, which I was uh, fascinated <laughs> by. Uh, now, when it rings, it's the normal standard Navy whistle, but... You can change it to any of about a thousand different other tones if you wish. <laughs> I, I assume he uh, he does uh, don't have a cow man or uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> crazy frog. Yeah, right away. Yeah, but, uh, that, this was you know what two thousand eight I think. So this was sort of at the height of uh, you know text four three four three four to uh, this number and you'll get signed up for our service where you get three ringtones for just ten dollars a month. Right. 
um, I, I like this too. So she's describing those are the communicators that you wear on your wrist, which is once again extremely similar to Armada. Um, but she says it's a uh, it's a simple on and off switch, exactly like the intercom. It's connected to the main computer. If you want the computer, all you have to do is push the button and say the word computer first and pause. We even have an Olympic-sized swimming pool that we also use as a water <laughs> reservoir. Can we please focus on one thing at a time? You're just tossing in space sickness and Olympic-sized swimming pools willy-nilly here. I put that as the greatest non sequitur in history. <laughs> it is. It's, it's vaguely, it's like setting up a room almost. It's sort of, amazing. You know. um, but then she, so she elaborates on that because, of course, anyone who's who's invested in the world building is... Very curious, but she says the the Olympic swimming pool, it also has a covered top that is five feet above the water that's totally encased in case we lose gravity, um, which is a thing that I want to, you know, let's place our bets now. Um, are they ever going to lose gravity on this ship or have we wasted, you know, two minutes of, of just trash world building? I, I mean, look, there's only a third of the book left, so... <laughs> I don't know. I don't I'm, know. I'm going. I'm going. No. I'm just. I. You know. I guess there are two more books though, so um, that could be a. Uh, it could be uh, payoff in book three or something. That could be. Um, once again, I just will put this again. It's settled, but I just, just in case you're thinking maybe his child is writing parts of it. <laughs> uh, he says to uh, Courtney, uh, Heather Courtney. Sorry, I feel really lucky to be here. You know, Lieutenant, that has to be one of the best briefings I have ever had. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what to say about that. I don't know. Yeah. Deep fake computer, alien trying to pass as human. And then eight lines later, Lieutenant, I'm going to tell the Admiral that this was the best briefing I have ever had. <laughs> <laughs> I think, is he confusing? Is it something that he wanted to get in at Red Lobster? Like, you know. Thank you, Barbara. You are the best waitress. When I asked for buns, you brought over more buns. And mm. I'm going to tell your manager that you are the best right. waitress. <laughs> and he's just like, shoot, I wasn't able to get that in there. I'm, I'll get it in the briefing part. Yeah. I mean, that, the fact that this is, you know, very much designated as a military naval operation uh, makes makes all of this wild informality and uh, six-year-old naivety uh, the, all the more funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, wh how many briefings, of course, quickly came to mind? Um, sure. Do you um, think that he's had? Because briefings is not, uh, you know, that's military, pro probably. Uh, well, I mean, they have probably the, um, you know, the, before the school year starts, they probably have a, uh, you know, har harassment um Briefing policy briefing. I don't know. Okay. They they probably are like, there's a kid that's going to be in your class that has a peanut allergy, so this is what you need to know about that. Yeah. Um, you've got the bottles of bleach you have to wipe down. The, I guess that's a briefing. <laughs> so the guy who was, who was, who was giving those talks at school was just, just had completely half-assing it. I guess that makes <laughs> sense that every, every briefing I would have been, would have been given by, you know, the driver's ed teacher and he would have been very bitter. Uh, yeah, there's a kid with a peanut allergy and we have an Olympic sized swimming pool. <laughs> Please focus. Um, so this is the puzzling sentence of the week for me. I think I have the answer, and I think it's, okay. uh, Captain, you also have time to take a nap and distress before the briefing if you want. Any idea what that means? Why? Uh, I, I mean, assume making up a word called de-stress? <laughs> yes, and, and feeding that into the, uh, as we discussed last time, the text-to-speech generator? Maybe, but I think... <laughs> 
but I think he thinks there's a, but de-stress is not, that's not a word. Uh, I'll, yeah, I mean, I'll take your word for that. I mean, I guess you could hyphenate it and from context, you could, uh, probably wedge it in there, but, uh. But take a nap and distress before the briefing. <laughs> okay. Right. I, I mean, I guess it makes sense because he could be slamming up against the top bunk or whatever. Sure. Yeah. I mean, so you know. it would be distressing to be, try to nap while that's you know on your mind and space sickness, <laughs> like you feel a little tightness in your throat. Like, oh damn, maybe I've got it already. Yeah. Is that just the uh, the half gravity in this part of the thing, or is that space sickness? Yeah. This is distressing. <laughs> she was right. But if it if it is de-stress, uh, he does a bit of that too because he he goes into his living area and sat down and noticed as he looked around he had one good size window in his dining area into the heavens, you could see Earth and he noticed how beautiful Earth really was. So once again, he's just uh, these are things that he's noticing. Yes, yeah, and we also have a case of an unreliable. Uh, I don't know if it's the narrator or if this is. Uh... Uh, Lieutenant Courtney's fault, but David went over and opened the door to his new bedroom, and he liked it. It was very <laughs> elaborate. Oh, what? Wait a minute! What the hell's going on? Was mm. it medium too elaborate? It's des- described by. I guess maybe the medium part, maybe the the uh, kitchen area and everything's really junky, and so they average out to be medium too elaborate. Uh, I mean, he could have been assigned the wrong room. I mean, she could have been, you know, gauging his his expectations too yeah that's true it had all kinds of extras and it was huge why are they overbuilding space <laughs> right, maybe they expect him to bring some livestock on board once he's filled out the proper uh, 298b application uh he laid down on his bed and it was the most comfortable bed he had ever laid on wow yeah well until you start you know slamming your head on the uh, bunk above you right <laughs> Oh, it's just, again, what is going on in the author's mind? (laughs) You know, it just has to be, you know, from one session to another of of sitting down, uh, just completely forgetting what you had written, I guess. I, I, you know, you think of uh, uh, Das Boot or something, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen that uh, series. Oh, it's great. It's a... uh, Wolfgang Peterson's, you know, magnum opus. Uh, he, the, uh, it's, it was a huge miniseries. It was then trimmed down to a movie. But as they get on this, uh, they meticulously recreate a U-boat and they load all the guys onto it. It had been great if that had been the perspective of he laid down on his U-boat bed. <laughs> it was the most comfortable he'd ever had. <laughs> he looked forward to being in the wolf packs where they. Right. Try to sink the merchant ships and uh, bring about the Nazi. I mean, it's just bizarre. That's, you know, military things. It's usually, you know, you fast paced. Uh, I got a lot to learn. We right. got to get to our mission. This is him like bouncing on the bed like it's a commercial for a, a hotel chain or something. Right. After uh, after four months of no sunlight and only the uh, the beeping red light, uh, uh, Fritz started to experience the submarine sickness. <laughs> yeah, well, well, there is a, a very classic scene of that where a guy goes mad and almost oh. endangers their mission. It's fantastic. <laughs> you should see it. It's good. I will. I'll check it out. Um, I as just soon as I my microphone, by the way. Watching the Mr. Movie. Yes. Right. But So this is how the chapter ends. This is, again, uh, fixing on the, uh, the military aspect of this whole thing. Admiral Benson walked right over to the podium and started addressing everyone. 
Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Admiral Benson. For some of you who don't know me, I'm your commanding officer here on Lunar Base <laughs> One. <laughs> so it's just, you know, if this is, if we're to believe this is accurate, did like, did Patton introduce himself like the best man at a wedding, like giving the <laughs> toast? Like, for those of you who don't know me, I uh, went to college with the groom. I, uh, you know, we had some, some, some wild times. I won't get into all that, but he knows what I'm talking about. Couple of, couple of hoots around the uh, station, yeah. as he says, Admiral Benson. <laughs> Oh, there's J-Bug. Yeah, he was there. All right. Settle down, guys. But seriously, we're <laughs> we're on a mission here. Yeah, so he's uh, but he's, I love he's the that, admiral. He, there might yeah. be people who don't know him on this ship. <laughs> uh, I love that that's just the last sentence of that. Uh, I'm, I'm your commanding officer here on Lunar Base 1. End of... That's it. <laughs> right. Yeah, this is... A, we, we noted it last time, but every single other chapter ends pretty much mid-speech or uh, mid-conversation and picks up right where the other one leaves off. Do you think he just counted words and then stuck the things in there? Oh, man. Because wow. this is, I'm your commanding officer here on Lunar Base 1, uh, chapter end, chapter 11 begins. I want to thank you all for coming and to tell everyone. <laughs> it's, we should look. What if we determine that they're all the same? Um, yeah. Wow. I'll, yeah, we'll check that out for next time. Yeah. Uh, well, do let's... you want to continue on to 11 or? Uh, no, let's do some fan fiction. All right. Great. And now I bet they bitching cause my flow switching Trying to tell me what to write about some fan fiction Can't they just be happy I no longer have to face eviction That I'm living on my life I'm living Hey, the uh, Dixon Ticonderoga pencil is back Wow That was lost in a drawer um, That I, I dug through with purpose to find it today uh, So I'm ready Alright, well, well, we'll see about that This is a, uh, this is a tricky one, I think Um this is not a not a easy author to discern the 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 fake ones from the real ones, in my opinion. So, no, he has some uh, the new quirks. I, I think with Dwight David Thrash, you pretty much knew from beginning to end what you were going to get. Although yes. there are a few surprises, but prose wise, it <laughs> right. followed a pretty tight pattern. This one has a little bit of a surprise in, in it. In each the one chapter. that we the one that we haven't really addressed is his use of scene. He, yeah, that, that is. Uh, that reminds me of a, uh, there's a pretty close relative of mine who picked that up living in a, and it uh, drives me crazy. Uh, there's a, there's a, someone we know, a mutual acquaintance who I, who, who does it as well. And it is a, uh, so yeah, I, I, I understand that it's something people do, but it is, it always jarred me whenever he would say it. So yeah, I'd, uh, tell so, you offline. Sounds dumb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All, right. All right. So here it is. These are going to be five excerpts from either, uh, the back third of moon people, or they are fanfic written by our loyal listeners. Let's get started. All right. Number, number one, we want to thank you for this great meal. What exactly is this here? David, that's a vegetable we call asparagus, one of my favorites. If you like asparagus, then I bet you'll like to try some of these. We call this a baked potato. We stir it up into a soft pudding, and then we add butter and salt. (laughs) Potatoes also grow well in space. I hope you will like it. Captain Tudmoke, I believe I will try it. Mmm, that's good. We have something like this on our planet. It's called stemmage. What is this food here? It sure is good. Lieutenant Dogmas, one of Captain Tudmoke's officers, asked, Admiral Benson, that is what we call a dessert on Earth. We usually eat our dessert after we eat our main meal. That particularly dessert is called chocolate ice cream. Um, and dessert is uh, spelled desert in everyone. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. It's so hard. Uh, I I hope so. Um, I don't know. I'm going to say it's real. Wow. 
That well, is a uh, well. That is a not a vote of confidence in humanity. <laughs> All right. I don't know. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, aliens are coming up, and he's got to write aliens. So anything could happen. <laughs> Literally, anything could happen. Uh, number two, uh, Captain Tudmoke turned on the comm and said, "Show the video, David. You have some images of what the Archons looks like, Captain Tudmoke." Yes, we do, because we watched them when they were fighting another planet, he said as the video started. The whole room was stunned as the video started because the Archons were terrifying with large mouths that bit everyone they fought, and there was also a lot of claws and spines, and they used handheld weapons. Uh, large and hand are both um, capitalized in the middle of sentences. There. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those are quirks that are... Uh, all right, so that's the end of that? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. This is dart dart throwing again. I'm going to wow. say I'm I'm just baffled. I'm going to say that that's a fanfic. Come out strong with your fancy pencil and then immediately start throwing darts. This is like that uh that playoff game when the uh, Cardinals scored 10 runs in game 5 against the Braves last year. Just <laughs> immediate tables turning. Yeah, this is uh, you know, going out to do the Olympic dive and slipping on the board and hitting your head <laughs> and falling in the water. Uh, here's number 3. Commander Kraft said, "Captain, we are receiving a call from NASA. Okay, patch me through to NASA. NASA, I am receiving you." "Hey, Doc, it's us Billy and Kathy. We missed you, so we called you. Hey, kids, <laughs> I miss you too." Uh, T.O., you won't believe everything that happened to me here. We made new alien friends. They are called the Paulines, and they are very friendly. We also battled their enemies, the Archons, and won. The whole class said at once, wow, that is really cool. <laughs> David had a smile knowing that he saved the world and made his kids proud of their teacher. Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean, that's spot on. What are you supposed to do? <laughs> Put yourself in my shoes, people. I, I, hey, you know, I don't envy it. Uh, I'm going to say fanfic. It's okay. it's so good, but yeah. <laughs> uh, we have number four. Oh, no, David thought. Sheral is dying, and it is all my fault for dragging her into this space mess. Please do not die, Sheral, David begs. But it's too late, T.O. Sheral is gone. You may still save her, Captain Tudmoke said suddenly. David turned and asked, how do you have technology? No, Tudmoke replied. Technology cannot bring her back. Technology cannot bring back life, but love can. A true love's kiss. No. <laughs> I mean, oh, if Sherala had just flat out died, I would be so happy. Um, uh, fanfic. Okay. And number five, final one. The admiral hurried to his office to talk to the president and to update him on all that has transpired. He got through pretty easy because the president was waiting with anticipation. The president. Well, admiral, how did it go on the alien ship? I bet you have a lot to tell. Admiral Benson. Yes, sir, I do. Well, sir, first I would like to say we are on the verge of going into another era. Talks went great, sir. The president. Thank God, admiral. I was hoping you were going to say that. Now I know I picked the right man for the job. I'm sorry to interrupt, admiral. Please tell me more. Admiral Benson. Yes, sir. The Paulines are a very civilized and very advanced people. They are willing to sell or trade their spaceships and technology and anything else that we are interested in. They seem to just be interested in making new friends and doing a lot of trade. I believe they are being honest, sir. On our tour, we had seen a lot in their museum. We seen and learned about other life forms all over the universe. Um, am I able to revise answers based on... Have we ever done that before? <laughs> I don't think we have, but sure. Sure, why not? 
It's, it's just up a, to you. Just an instinct. I'm going to say the first one was fanfic, and this is real, and then so the rest are fanfic. Okay. So this is the only real one. You're changing the one about the asparagus and the baked Correct. potato. Correct. And then this is real. The, the, put, the pudding of baked potato. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, man, this I, I'm stunned. You, you did very well and almost were perfect until that last little switch. No. So we had number oh. one, pudding, uh, pudding, deserts, baked potatoes. Uh, it was real. Oh, um, I blew it at the finish line. <laughs> yeah, you did a little. Uh, you you stumbled across, but still a a, a, a amazing showing. Number two, uh, that was um, uh, archons were terrifying with large mouths that bit everyone they fought and used handheld weapons. That was fanfic written by Patrick. Um, number f- number three, uh, uh, the one about uh, the the kids calling him up and and saying uh, we're proud of your teacher. That was fanfic written by Triss. Um, uh, number four, uh, this was Sherald dying and a true love's kiss could bring her back. That was fanfic written by IJC. And, uh, number five, uh, speaking to the president on the phone with the president being in parentheses to announce that he is talking. That was real as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and yeah, so I, it, you know, it truly is going to get even better once I guess both alien species and Captain Tudmoke show up. Like that's going to be amazing. And it seems like, uh, the conflict has got to be very, very brief because oh, yeah. we haven't had it. It hasn't made a, a, a big showing at all in any of the fanfic. Or... <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure if it's sort of just like setting the stage for the for the rest of the trilogy where the, the first aliens show up and it's revealed that they're nice. But we know that because of the introduction. But uh, yeah, hmm. we're going to find out. Hmm. I think it's just going to be a lot of hanging around with the aliens talking about food and how comfortable their mattresses are. I'm pretty sure that's going to be the rest of the book. So I was looking for stuff, and I found the the alien talking about asparagus, and I was like, well, we got to use this. And then I, I read a little bit more, or maybe I was trying to find it to copy it, and that was the second mention. So the the asparagus gets called back after they are initially uh, after they initially taste it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that maybe uh-huh. gives you an, uh, an indication of what he might have got at Red Lobster, you know, the baked potato and the... Well, I just hate that we have to puzzle that out, though. Mm-hmm. Make, make it explicit. It's very unfair. It's it's clearly an interest you have, and so to skip <laughs> over it. <laughs> well, look at the menu and see what is closest to the 222 on the Red Lobster menu, and then maybe right. we can decide based on there. <laughs> and uh, I believe we do get an answer to that in Chapter 11, Status Quo. So we can, uh, we can move on to that. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's right. We get a, a thorough breakdown of it. Uh, it starts sort of in in media res with Admiral Benson's speech, and I said earlier he sounded like a best man speech, and he sort of shifts into sounding like, um, you know, your mom at the start of a uh, like you know three hour car trip to visit visit some out of state relatives. Mm-hmm. He says we all ha- we all have to check and double check every little thing to make sure we're not overlooking anything because once we leave, we are not coming back for a very long time. And so, you know, there are there are life Navy men who are like, we, sir, we have <laughs> we are we are a, a rigid machine here doing things like clockwork. Like we do not need to be reminded to double check, you know, as we take off on our 10 year mission to Pluto. Yeah, they seem very ill prepared. <laughs> but uh, but they have the, his calming voice, though, because he says, uh, well, right now we are doing fine. We are on schedule and everything is a go. I want to welcome our new. <laughs> <laughs> don't you think the admiral would want to put a little uh, piss and vinegar into the speech and uh, yeah. pump pump things up but no it's just again it's sort of the bland everything is good it's the uh you know pta meeting not not yeah. wanting to ruffle any feathers right away and then and we'll talk a little later there's a couple of things we need to sand down but everything's good 
<laughs> he gives uh he gives uh david he says where are you at captain i'm here sir david stood up admiral benson there he is so we get another <laughs> one of those <laughs> uh um so yeah he he gets the briefing and then he hurries back to his uh computer or he watches a little tv Mm-hmm. And gets a little sleep, which is always good to to know because he knows that it's comfortable sleep. No word on whether he floated into the air. Yeah, we don't we're not told. Uh huh. And he but, the view stuns him again. <laughs> and yeah, so he he the timing is a little bit of a crunch. I think the meeting was at o four hundred. Uh, they're launching at o eight hundred. He needs to be on the bridge at o six hundred, but he goes back to he sets his alarm for o five hundred. So mm-hmm. they're really just sort of jamming things in here. But uh, this is this is good. He he wakes up after his alarm goes off at five, and he places an order through his computer. He says, "I would like a cup of coffee, two fried eggs over easy with two pieces of bacon, and also two pieces of buttered rye toast." Also in my co- so that I think that's the two two two. That's the two 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 solved. Yep. And he also says, "In my coffee, I would like two tablespoons of sugar and a little cream." And the computer says, "Affirmative. Please allow two minutes." Yep. So they're just really sort of landing on thick here because, and we looked in. I was I looked for an image when we posted this last week or whenever we posted the episode. I guess two 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 has some sort of number significance in the angel community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's like sort of like they're four twenty. Like it's if you if you see the number two two two, it means an angel is looking out for you. Right. So in but sort of the angels of the astrology world, I believe there's some sure. sort of crossover with that. Yeah, I didn't look too much further because I was worried about what it was going to do to my like Google recommendations. But yeah, I assume that's not any sort of actual religious thing. It's more of like the the precious moments uh, interpretation of angels type of thing. Right, right. But this thing that makes his breakfast, he uh, it looks like a microwave oven with instructions next to it. <laughs> the instructions said to call the kitchen and tell them what you want. Then they will send it to you through an air tube, which runs on an air system like the mailbox. <laughs> and then you warm it up in the microwave. So there was a thing that looked like a microwave. It was a microwave. Uh, so I don't know. I, I'm probably not on board for getting something sent through an air tube, getting my eggs, fried eggs over easy with two mm-hmm. pieces of bacon and buttered rye toast and putting it in a microwave. Right, yes. That, it doesn't seem like uh, there's going to be a lot of separation between your twos on that one. Yeah, that seems more um, more medium than elaborate to me. Right, uh, yes. Well, that's sort of, you know, if they 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 got the budget cuts, um, so gravity system was first to go, and then the, the food arriving already heated was probably second on the docket. Why do you think he didn't just make it that it's a food synthesizer, which has been like First Officer Spoke had so many years before? <laughs> yeah, or pill-based food. Um, why Why is he sending it through <laughs> pneumatic tubes like right. a mailbox? Like the mail? Yeah, I don't know. I associate those with old banks as well. Like, I'm not sure about yeah. the, uh, you know, I guess that's how mail systems used to run in like, you know, the uh, a newspaper or something. But Yeah. I uh, Anyway, that that whole thing again with the, the paragraph surrounding the description of the breakfast, not written by a human. It just right. can't be. It can't be. <laughs> and neither is this one. Uh, it's sort of, it's it's the closest we've got yet to a description of a rig. And it would def- it definitely qualifies as a hell of a rig. Uh, Commander Tice is saying, uh, sir, this is your station area over here, Captain. And uh, I'll, I'll just stop at the end of the sentence. 
The commander pointed to a rather large custom console type of desk with many LED displayed lights all over it with a couple of dials and levers and a couple of view screens and three large reclinable chairs which what looked like a race car driver's shoulder strap seat belts that attached to the back of the chair when not in use, period. <laughs> so a, a hell of a rig warrants a hell of a run on in this situation. He usually, he errs in the other direction. He panics and... and uh and puts a period or or some some yeah, sort of uh right in the middle yeah he he's more apt to stop than to run on so that was kind <laughs> of that was uh, an anomaly there <laughs> um speaking of misplaced punctuation we get this delightful sentence in front of the bridge was a large view screen it kind of looked like a movie theater room <laughs> yes it ends in a question mark <laughs> that was one of my uh 40 dumb sentences <laughs> Um, and I don't have much else left in this chapter, but I do have one good, uh, one good exchange. Oh yeah, please. I don't have anything else. Okay. Uh, then the door opened and there was about eight people coming in. Uh, <laughs> uh, so the, there's some ambiguity here. Um, however, immediately the next sentence, three women and five men, <laughs> there were eight people. You, yes. you, you were able to size them up immediately by gender. So you can't have it both ways. Uh, the uh, admiral is very facilitating, though. He says, uh, hello, sir. Hello, captain. How do you like the bridge? Very impressive, sir. I particularly like my area, admiral. So he's mostly concerned about people's comfort and that they're <laughs> feeling good about their mission. And, you know, so it's just yeah. a different kind of leadership that I appreciate. Yeah. You're comfortable private. Like how, you know, you, you haven't felt, you know, you haven't seen one of your friend's faces turn to goo after gravity kicks out in the middle of the night and slams him into the bunk above him. Oh, the captain is comfortable. Uh, Lieutenant, why don't you get a bale of cotton and follow him around and wipe his ass for him? Because his <laughs> comfort is number one priority. Oh, that's great. Thank that's, you. That's delightful. Yeah. That would be, I mean, is that a service you offer? That's, you know, that's well above medium to elaborate. And as long as I gotcha, I am going to put in that application for chickens. <laughs> well i'll approve it but i ain't gonna like it <laughs> i'm gonna draw a, a wang on the uh the uh, the form itself <laughs> i uh i notice your uh your chickens are laying extra heavy you know i i don't like it i don't like you i like the don't like the chickens but good job those <laughs> eggs are gonna feed a lot of men but damn it i respect you <laughs> Um, well, yeah, that's the end of chapter 11. I mean, you know, the, the chapters are just, you know, interspersed whoever. So 12 goes directly into uh, the mission launch. Um, and this one started out with some more uh, Dwight David Thrashian gadgets. Mm -hmm. uh, it says David was fascin fascinated with the latest instruments on his console. He had a view screen that was connected to their observatory computer and a new radio waves emission meter that was so act to it you could detect if a planet had water or land or oxygen and what gases there was on the planet or the moon he also <laughs> he also had a long distance sound emitter that could pick up sounds from great distance away how does that work do you understand the i am not a obviously a, a sonar engineer but uh, a sound emitter <laughs> picks up sounds i mean it could be I, right he's the scientist i don't know so like i remember at uh at at a blockbuster video training for i worked there for a month and a half senior year of high school one of the products they they grilled you on was a vcp not a vcr it was a video cassette player um so i you know we always had vcrs that was pretty standard but hey a video a vcr a video cassette recorder could also play videos so um i guess this long distance sound emitter 
very well might also pick up sounds from a great distance away. (laughs) Sure, sure. Um, But this is, you referenced it earlier, it's a little bit alarming. Everyone started familiarizing themselves with their area. This is like mission go right now. Yeah. Yeah. And they are not familiar with their instruments. So this is like, you know, the Apollo team being sent up and like, what's this thing do? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey, Buzz, what's what's that doohickey over? uh, Give that a flip. Oh, just sucked... uh, Sucked Michael out into the void of space. All right, guess we probably should have familiarized ourselves a little before this. We should have trained. Yeah, and he says he was not familiar with many other instruments. <laughs> what is what is he familiar with as a high school astronomy teacher? I don't know, but I like that that's quickly passed up on because we meet uh, Lieutenant Tawny Fisher. So that's. A... <laughs> <laughs> what does she have to say? <laughs> Uh, Tawny, uh, Tawny Fisher was the pilot and next to her was Jenna Parsons, who oh, was sure. our co-pilot and navigator. <laughs> yeah. These, uh, these, uh, we got, I only know one Tawny and that's the one who was in the, uh, like the white snake video. Tawny Katane. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. He seems to have a little bit of a fondness for, uh, stripper names. I don't mean to yes. offend anyone out there, but, uh, come on. Yeah. That's right there. Right. Two of them back to back. Yeah. Um, um, but we then, also don't learn how he knows who these people are, because usually he gives us the the briefings. incredibly crappy dialogue that would explain that. <laughs> but he just sort of, these just get introduced. And yeah. He, and it says, it looked like we had a crew. Yeah. <laughs> I guess they could all be wearing name tags. I'm not sure. Yes. It's At this point in time, he's, you know, the, the story is so unbelievable that, you know, you may as well just take things for granted or you just, you know, you let it go like he would in a movie where... Um, they, they do have the introduction montages that he might've just skipped over. Sure. Uh, but, uh, you know, I've been harping on the Admiral, but we do get, uh, Dwight D Eisenhower operation overlord speech <laughs> coming up here. <laughs> do you want to read that? Uh, yeah, I, I had another one marked as that, but this one is, uh, is very well as is very, works as well. Hello, men and women aboard the USS lunar base one. We are about to embark on a historical journey out into our solar system to Mars first, and then to one of Saturn's moon Titan and then beyond. We have, in my opinion, the best crew in space. So, try not to worry. <laughs> <laughs> and and along with the uh, the uh, uh, giving them such a confirmation not to worry, we have orders to launch at 0800, and we are functioning at 92%. <laughs> How to get your crew to worry. <laughs> the other 8% are things that are unrelated to ship's function. Mainly stuff we haven't unpacked yet. Yeah. What so at that, does that you mean? Know, Tawny is nudging, nudging Jenna and being like, I think I think our leader is in serious cognitive decline. <laughs> He's sundowning like I just, like what is un yeah, what does unpacked yet means? And like again, you know, they're fifteen minutes from launching and eight percent things are not functioning. He's, he's, it's a huge number. He's referencing like his uh, underpants that he hasn't put in drawers yet. Yeah. Clearly gone mad. <laughs> so yeah, that's a it's, yeah, not exactly the stuff of uh, of, of D Day. Uh, you know, a lot of you aren't making it back type of thing. Right. Wow. Uh, oh, what's well, next? They say that um, they say that uh, there's a. Uh, it's 7.45. Again, this is 15 minutes before launch. And in 15 minutes, we are going to launch. Before I will tell you on the intercom to secure yourself in one of many locations on the ship by telling you red or yellow alert. If you do not know your location, please ask a supervisor in your area. 
So this is, yeah, again, this is things being established. They're familiarizing themselves with the actual launch procedure, not just the instruments. When we say red alert, you should preferably be at your location or post. When we say yellow alert, it means to go immediately to your locations and prepare for a red alert. Uh, so, one, it's insane that they're doing this. But two, they're they're just using terms. Red alert has a pretty distinct meaning. It's like danger. Yeah. Uh, you know, things are imminent. But they have just decided to a, um, you know, that means phase two or something. Phase one is prepare. Phase two is be at your station. Well, the fact that this is getting explained at this point, again, is right. utter madness. Right. I mean, he's really, he's walking them through everything. It, it is the first time anyone has heard this besides the Admiral. Right. And so if you were making a, a you know, if you're doing Avatar, um, you'd hear, that would come over the thing. Ad, this is Admiral Benson. We're going into a red alert. I repeat, this is a red alert. And the guy's like, what? And then Tawny goes, no, no, no. Here's on this ship. Red alert means you should just be at your station or, uh, you know, at another location that is uh, secured with the harnesses latched. And he's like, oh, OK, phew. But <laughs> you have the actual lieutenant explaining it to everyone on board in this book. Uh, but then we get to uh, the countdown itself. Oh, man. <laughs> which is utterly this is madness. Uh, it was T minus four minutes, 23 seconds and counting. Then it got down to T minus 43 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Lieutenant you don't just Par- jump ahead uh, three minutes and 20 seconds. That's not your normal uh, iteration of time. Oh, once again, why, why those intervals? Who knows? <laughs> Lieutenant- yeah, so, yeah, just, just to clarify for people, that is two back-to-back sentences. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, Lieutenant Parsons, how's everything looking? Asked the Admiral. We're looking good, sir. All systems are a go. In addition, the course is laid in, sir. Then it got down to T minus 15 seconds and count. <laughs> so that happened, you know, that does that time check out for you? Uh, you know, 28 it's seconds. You know, roughly. For that <laughs> yeah. Uh, then 10, 9, 8. And I think you see where I'm going with this. Yeah, it's okay. Well, you know, you can't be sure. We just had a uh, 423, 43. <laughs> That's true. Uh, but it does count down to one in order and then the exact same ignition full thrust. Suddenly, the ship started to vibrate just a little, and then we started to move. My God, that must be awful and jarring. I mean, it wasn't that bad. (laughs) (laughs) That was what was on everyone's mind. (laughs) Hey, this is all right. (laughs) Now, instead of... It's like when you get on a brand new, uh, you know, JetBlue or like Virgin America plane, and you're like... They've actually, you know, this is a great TV screen. Like, they've put in some mood lighting. This is not that bad. It's not that bad. Um, but uh, instead of continuing to familiarize themselves with and manipulate the things that are making this launch happen, everyone started cheering and clapping. <laughs> Please focus, people. <laughs> right. Yes. Everything of this is a, is a, is a minor symphony, like working in, in hand with each other. Like, every person has a role. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, they're they're doing they're just breaking out into a control room, you know, Apollo thirteen cheering before anything's even happened. And then uh, Lieutenant Fisher, let's start out on impulse, and then we'll go to Mach five. Said the admiral. M O C K five. Yep, a real treat for anyone who's not reading along. They they go to to Mach five, so the text to speech thing bears out even further. Oh, but he had to look at it. 
I, I, yeah, I, it, you know, I, I knew that there was a Nintendo game called Mock Writer when I was seven. That uh, you know, that's when I learned about that term. Or Gillette Mock Five, the well-known razor product that's been on the market for uh, over two decades. Right. I mean, so if you take it at face value, there are what eight crew members, and they're probably numbered one through eight. So whoever's number five <laughs> oh, yeah. i'm the science officer yeah. Ooh, i'm tawny i have the name of someone who attacked chuck finley Ooh. <laughs> wow that's a deep deep <laughs> well i mean that's what i know her for and then sure. he would always reference that she was in a white snake video which i didn't have and wouldn't have been allowed to watch so <laughs> yeah uh, but um, then the yeah. admiral announces their um their uh pretty open campus policy Okay. <laughs> Those of you who are not connected to the running of the ship can stay or leave at your own will. If not sure, ask permission. <laughs> That's his final words before the admiral takes off. So he gets them through the launch. And yeah, they just have an open, just wander where you need to. Um, if you're not sure whether you need to be manipulating the things that are keeping the ship running, you know, just raise a hand and and uh, ask a supervisor. Incredible. Otherwise, you can take off and uh, go feed the chickens. Yeah, it's, you know, like you said before, not exactly Crimson Tide or something like that. Not even, you know, not even Top Gun, you know. <laughs> I'll see you on the con. Or or not. I mean, again, if you're busy or whatever, you know. Yeah. If, if gravity kicks out, you know, just, you know, play one of those uh, new games that Jen has been working on because uh, it's like Superman when it happens. So, <laughs> maggots. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Um, so yeah, he gets a, uh, he gets a phone call from, uh, Kim Moon. Uh, they're, they're very casual. This is, it starts to get into some more of the science, which is the stuff that, um, I, I would have trouble, I think, understanding if it was well-written. Um, uh, but it's sort of like, we saw the, the flash of lights. It was along the path. It's moving at this many light years. It's now flashed again. It's on the course or maybe it changed course. It's, it's all very tricky to me to understand, uh, when it's this poorly written, that stuff, uh, I, I, yeah, I glossed over that. I felt like we've wasted so much time. Whatever <laughs> their mission is, is so vague now. And so when they start talking about the flashing light and we picked it up late, I don't give, right, <laughs> I yeah. don't give a rat's ass. It's obviously <laughs> not a thing. It's a red herring. Right. Um, but I do like that Kim calls. So he, from this is NASA phoning him up. Commander Kraft, this is Kim Moon here at NASA. We just wanted to say that was a picture-perfect launch. Congratulations. And then, hello, Captain Kim Moon at NASA. How do you like your new job? <laughs> I love it, Mr. Moon, and I think you would love it, too. I'm just getting situated. You know, the Admiral going, like, could we get to <laughs> Yes, really. This is, like, the most expensive thing. It's more than the fuel we're burning is this uh, communique, as they call it. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I didn't. I didn't have much for that whole. That alien red herring is not uh, capturing me at all. Yeah, I like that the uh, they say that the we're getting an incommunicate. Commander, Commander Kraft said, "Oh, really?" <laughs> and then uh, it says, uh, "Mr. Moon says uh, that's not what I called about Commander." Oh, really? What's up? <laughs> and then he says uh, to uh, he says to uh, when David says, "I'm just getting situated." Then Moon says, "I don't know if you've seen it yet, but we had another flash of light on that same heading as our meteor." Oh, really? Where at? So they're just they're, they're constantly surprised by this because no one on board is actually monitoring these things as well. I, how could you make it worse? This, uh, you know, then the second flash of light was three minutes after the meteor, which would have put the speed at the. Eh. Now, if you calculate <laughs> the speed of the second flash, you can't. This is the threat that is apparently like exterminate Earth level threat, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. 
and it's yeah, explained like, going to hit the sun. It, it is so poorly done, yeah. even for him. <laughs> Why can't you just say there's something coming towards us? You know, yeah, it was hiding behind a planet for a while. It's reemerged, sir. The threat is imminent. Instead, it's this really, really esoteric flashing and exploding and speed of light and calculations. It's just terrible. <laughs> yeah, I read a book, a series by a Chinese author called The Three-Body Problem, which got into light speed, um, you know, gravity, like how physics work in terms of you know, a black hole and planets orbiting each other and all this stuff. Um, and I, you know, of course, I didn't understand any of it, but I understand what was happening in the world of the book. Uh, which, you know, you cannot say at all for this uh, for this guy. Yeah. I mean, years ago, I read a, a, a slim book trying to kind of explain the you know, Einstein view of the world. It was just called Einstein's Universe. I read it as a high schooler. I understood it perfectly well. <laughs> uh, this this is not coming through for me at all. Right. Yeah. Or like Interstellar, where it's like, you know, time, they pretty much give you like a 30 second speech of like this uh, gravity is heavier. So time's going to work slower down here. Okay, well, take your word for that. Mm -hmm. Like, makes sense to me. Let's move on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so this is, the, I, I this is David, David noticing some reminiscences of gases, and we're oh, supposed to uh, reminiscences. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think pretty much my my note here was I have no idea what the science of this is, but they um, immediately come to the conclusion that this ship can go four times the speed of light, and it has cloaking capability. End of chapter. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's sort of that's, that's what these uh, what these high school astronomy teachers intuit from uh, from Kim Moon's uh, phone call. Right. Uh, on to chapter thirteen. Yeah, that's our last one of the uh, session. Yeah, which chapter just, thirteen: hide and seek, which just uh, continues from again immediately yes. where it was before. <laughs> Let's just stipulate right now: this is all just one long column that has yeah. been arbitrarily divided into these chapters. We can use the manifesto word. We can. That's. I think we're, we're comfortably in that turf. <laughs> I wonder when he poked the uh, chapter titles in. Do you think he had flashcards or something that he sort of uh, field tested with his family? What do you think? Do you like hide yeah. and seek better or reminisces of gas? Which do you think yeah. is better? But it was on a yarn wall in his shed, like you know. With the, so yeah, so chapter twelve. I'll connect that with a string of yarn to chapter thirteen. Yeah, it's all making sense. Ah, uh, so uh, uh, right away we get the uh, talk of the gas. Give me a minute, sir, and I'll tell you what kind of gas it is. Sure, Captain, take your time. <laughs> so, again, this is an existential threat to the uh, sun of yeah. our solar system, and the uh, Admiral is saying, take, take your time. Yeah, he's scrolling through Instagram as he does that. Um, take your time. I'm, I'm, you know, I've got all the time. I'm just, oh, look, <laughs> my niece's cat had kittens. <laughs> but then he, so he says, so in the world of the book, it says, uh, give me a minute. He says, take your time. Here it is, sir. It looks like it's a radioactive carbon trail. Those are three back-to-back -back sentences. So there's not even like, you know, after 37 seconds, exactly. He said, here it is, sir. It looks like a, um, but then there's another similar exchange to that right after. What the heck is this? Found it, sir. Then David zoomed in. It appears to be a moon, sir, and it's parked right behind Pluto. So this is, a, again, good hard sci-fi. Moon's parking <laughs> behind, you know, one of the planets that he's heard of, like the strangest planet he can tell. Right. Um, and that, that continues with uh, the meteor that was coming from the constellation of Scorpio was also 10, million, 10 kilometers in size. The odds of that are a million to one, sir. And so it, it, it sort of just demonstrates his, his infantile nature of... You know, he can see Scorpio out in the sky, um, 
and in this, you know, those those stars are, you know, they're like uh, you hold up your thumb and they're a thumb apart from each other. So it's just like, uh, you know, bursting out of the uh, the middle of that constellation, I guess, which I assume those stars are countless millions of miles away from each other. Right. Um, I don't know what any of them are actually called, but he's probably coming closer from one of those stars than really any other part of the constellation. Right. Um, yeah, I don't. Uh, this chapter is a little weak for me, too, because of all the lame science in it. Yeah. Um, well, he, he says that, uh, they, they double check the ship's computer. It's functioning at a hundred percent accurate, which means it is working better than his computer in the classroom, or maybe it just wasn't booted up. Maybe they booted it up ahead of time. Yeah. I noted that that because he, all of that is a repeat of what they've already talked about. And, uh, they're currently listening to all of this. And he says, Admiral, we're done with our systems check and we are operating at 100% accurate. <laughs> yes, I heard it. The radio is still open. <laughs> yeah. I don't need I mean, to turn and repeat the stuff to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're, they're, they're heading out to Pluto, um, I guess, or, or they're changing their course. They were going to go to Mars and then uh, Saturn's, Saturn's moon Titan, but now they're going to Pluto. So I believe we talked about that. And it takes at least a decade, probably closer to two, to get there as a manned shuttle. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, this is a, uh, this was the other, uh, you know, sort of Patton Eisenhower speech. We have to be alert and know what we are doing in battle. Suppose for instance, in battle, we lose gravity. We would have to fight the battle without gravity. <laughs> 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 Suppose the, uh, the machine gunners start mowing us down, uh, on Omaha beach. Well, a lot of us will die from machine guns. Then that is, uh, that is what will happen. Uh, well, you also get, uh, again, this uh, patent-like thing. Uh, we may not get a second chance. Uh, I, I have one more question, sir. What's that, Captain? <laughs> well, sir, I was wondering if we had any kind of shield, sir, like on Star Trek? <laughs> Very good question, Captain. <laughs> the answer is yes, we do. And then we get the full description that was in the uh, the, the prelude to the book. Yeah, I didn't write it down because, I mean, we already, I think, read and discussed it, but it has... Some sort of liquid that turns into steel that's four inches thick. Mm-hmm. Our shields are all over on certain parts of the ship. So they're all over on certain in vital areas. They're a liquid that turns into the strength of four inches of steel when it gets hard because of being exposed to the cold of space. They also have heaters on them to turn them back into a liquid state again. <laughs> all our windows have a thick piece, P-E-A-C-E, of steel for shutters that close when we go to red alert. Oh, so, yeah, that's a different red alert. Then. Different red alert. That's 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 battle red alert versus that's medium um, routine red alert. launch. Yes. <laughs> uh, and uh, in response to that, he says, "Wow, that's impressive. Thank you, sir." Said David. Anytime, Captain. That was a good question. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Again, maggot. He, he also yeah chimes in when he says. Uh, um, I also want us to watch the Lunar Base Battle Lunar Base One Battle Ready training video at our stations on stage separation, also over and over before we go into battle. David spoke up and said, Sir, does each section have weapons capability? Yes, they do. Thank you for your question, high school astronomy teacher. But so there that the the separating is also uh, addressed in the in the introduction. So every um base can separate into three distinct sections. For some reason, I guess he thinks it's neat. Um, and every one of those has the same um, weapons and shield capabilities. But did you note that he, so this was foundational, the fact that it could separate, I think, didn't he say at the beginning, you might be surprised to learn that <laughs> yes. it, or something like that, but 
you know, hang on. There's some really exciting news. The ships separate into three sections. And he gets to this, the part where they actually do and they're described and he pees it down his leg because of a typo. Also, the ship separates into tree sections. <laughs> so you have to get better at, at copy editing the thing that you said was most important. I mean, come on. Oh, uh, there's, this, uh, there's this Scottish king and his name is Macbeth. Like, <laughs> no, no, you're writing this. You have to get this right. Right. Yes. <laughs> it was uh, Safi's choice. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, so, yeah, I'm not sure what the role is going to play, but I, I, I'm going to be guessing it's going to be like the uh, like the gravity where he just thinks these things are neat and worth talking about and, you know, separating into three ships um, that allows him to get into their half diamond stance um, is not going to be that that big of a deal in the long term. No. No, that's why I read this stuff far less uh, closely than anything else. Right, but I, someone did point it out that the you know the the a half diamond, um, there there might be a a more reasonable way to describe <laughs> that to people. <laughs> yeah, yep. I say, say triangle perhaps. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, so they they I don't know why they're testing the thing out before they get to Pluto. I, I guess there just might be the ship is is heading towards them or something. It was hard to keep track of. But the uh, they start calling the the aliens the moon ship because they thought it was a moon behind Pluto. Uh, they get into their half diamond stance, and um, I think this is the way it ends. Uh, all of a sudden, we started to separate. Separation was going smoothly to everyone's surprise. So, I mean, it seems like probably the most vital thing they're doing is separating from each other, but uh, I guess they haven't tested it, and people are shocked when it goes well. So they are, once again, the least prepared ship we've ever seen. Uh, if if it is your first time, yeah, you would be surprised that you pulled it off. So Yeah, I mean, when I had to move out of our uh, the first place we rented in San Diego to move to another place. I got put behind a wheel of a truck I was not prepared to drive because they didn't have the size truck I requested. And at the end of the day, when I was sort of like sweating and cracking a beer, I was like, I'm surprised that went yeah. well. I really <laughs> thought I was going to hit something and this was going to be an awful day. But uh, so that's the level of expertise they're working with here in the Navy. Right. I, I love that that's a, a thing that Someone will just hand you, give them enough money, give them your credit card. They will hand you a giant truck. You are not prepared to drive at, <laughs> not all. at all. You didn't want it. Uh, you don't want to do it. But yeah, here you go. You're um, not qualified at all. When I years ago went to Ireland and they give you the keys to the car that is you're on the wrong side of the road, you're on the wrong side of the car, and the stick shift, there's no automatics. So the stick shift is on the wrong side of your <laughs> and you're going through a traffic circles, you know, going the opposite direction. Here you go. Yeah, two inches from a, you know, uh, cement retaining wall and a hedgerow <laughs> on the other side. That we'll see you back here in uh, two weeks, and I'm sure. Yeah, it'll but they be say fine. that, and they say that in an incomprehensible uh, accent as well. Right. Uh, I just have two more things for this. I'm going to burn a, a dumb sentence because I'm sure we're going to be there's a surfeit okay. of those. So. Oh yeah. Um, so they're, the, they're making the, uh, preparations for the attack and on the way back, you could tell David was thinking, what did I get myself into? <laughs> <laughs> what is the perspective there <laughs> on the way back? You could tell. Yeah. It sort of goes into uh second person. Yeah. Right. Isn't that like, uh, you know, bright lights, big city type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But who's the you, I guess that's. It's speaking to us. 
Uh, he's broken the fourth wall. He's gotten into Wii. He's gotten into you know first person. So uh, <laughs> he's, he's spinning the wheel of tenses, I guess. And then the final thing was just an admiral, please, is uh, when the admiral said, well, here we go, campers. <laughs> yeah. That seemed a little loose for uh, what they were doing. But again, yeah. that's his style. He's He's got a different style. Yeah, I, I guess that could be the sort of sarcastic, you know, maggot speak type of thing. But it also just sounds a lot like, uh, you know, uh, Ranger Joe on Full House. Yeah, it sounds like Howdy Ho Campers, Ned Flanders type of thing. Yeah, your dad in the front seat uh, in the station wagon. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, it's a, a lot to take in. Rigs, tense changes, uh, moon ships, I, hot, I, horny sex. Yeah. And, and I'm sc- I've scrolled down just I'm on the ebook right now I scroll down just half a page and there's the Death Star <laughs> taken up uh, from margin to margin <laughs> it's right there. So. Well, yeah, we've got that to look forward to. Um, maybe there maybe the ebook has the uh, uh, you know licensing agreement at the back of it or something. Oh, I'm sure it does. I'm sure he buttoned <laughs> that down. Well, all right, that's a, a lengthy discussion, but uh, we have a surfeit of dumb sentences, so let's move on to the dumb sentence of the week. A sentence begins with a capital letter. A capital letter is a letter that's big. A capital letter is not a small letter. A capital letter is big, big, big. A sentence ends with a period or an exclamation or a question mark. A sentence always Sometimes a sentence a uh, even ends with a question when it's not a question in the world of DMC. Very often that happens. Yeah. So yeah, th- th- tons of these. Some of them we've already covered. We'll we'll sort of speed on through them. We had uh, Janelle and Patrick submitted. She leaned in toward David, and they kissed passionately for about a minute, and then stopped. Pat- <laughs> Patrick put, posited that it has to be the absolute least erotic rendition of kissing in all of time. I say it's probably up there. From Ben, we had. Good. It sounds like we've got a good plane. <laughs> plane meaning plan. <laughs> he was instantly reminded of the Simpsons quote, nothing can possibly go wrong. Um, which that sounds, yeah, that works for me. Uh, we had uh, David, which was, uh, it has a covered top that is five feet above the water in, that's totally encased in case we lose gravity. And he focused on the clumsy use of encased in place of encased next to the other term in case we lose gravity. <laughs> <laughs> we have Christopher, who's a Patreon supporter, who this one was one you pointed out. If you notice, we have everything categorized with the alphabet, like each of the sections on board are A to Z. We also use numerical order. We have uh, Seth submitted, because in that particular area, there is nothing anywhere in that region. I forget what that was speaking about, but it was probably something from uh, Kim Moon. He just said, I have no words for this. <laughs> uh, uh, Yanni and Devin, both Patreon supporters, submitted the cap- commander pointed to a rather large custom console type of desk with many LED displayed lights all over it. This is the uh, run on rig sentence that they both submitted. Um, we have AJ, a Patreon supporter. Uh, no, sir, we are going to have livestock, but we realized we didn't really need livestock. A personal favorite. Uh, Tom H. submitted, uh, uh, again, the uh, the patent speech. Suppose, for instance, in battle we lose gravity. We would have to fight the battle without gravity. <laughs> At least the logic checks out on that one. Um, this is a... Uh, Joe submitted your, uh, your favorite one. Captain, you also have time to take a nap and distress before the briefing if you want. <laughs> this is just like a greatest hits rundown. Really? Uh, Augusta, Augusta and uh, Mikkel Esquire... They woke up starring at each other with a big smile on each other's faces. And Cheryl said, I had the best time last night and now you're going to leave me. Uh, one of them wrote, 
typos aside, this is some seriously peculiar transitive smiling action. How he... (laughs) Uh, Page submitted. He went into the kitchen. He noticed a large, what looked like microwave oven with instructions next to it. Uh, It turns out it is a microwave, as we discussed. Uh, Rob and Mark Berger, both Patreon supporters, submitted. Also, the lighting in space was awesome. (laughs) Uh, one of them submitted, uh, uh, it comes out of nowhere. There's no context nor follow-up sentences for clarification. It's even missing a comma. Even more than all the descriptions of love making, love making this tiny sentence is something truly special. Chef's kiss. Um, Tim submitted, yours is like medium to elaborate. <laughs> also, the unreliable narrator. Jay submitted, I also want us to go watch the Lunar Base 1 battle-ready training video at our stations on stage separation, also over and over before we go into battle. That sort of delves into Bob Crane uh, patriotism. Yeah, uh, really. <laughs> uh, Blake submitted, Lieutenant Fisher turned on the engines and started to warm it up, which I, we omitted somehow. <laughs> but he said, not a lot of fireworks, as Mike likes to say, but the image of a giant spaceship needing to be warmed up like an old K car in January was kind of amusing. Yeah, just hitting the throttle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Burn off the, uh... the carbon, boys. <laughs> Heather, Patreon supporter, said, As we walk, I will point out some, if the general places like restaurants and shopping facilities, where we would have anything you would want or would be able to get on Earth. She said it's like Chad and Dale go to space. Paul submitted, Thank you again, sir. Just remembering there's no such e- thing as evening in space. Uh, that was after he wished her good evening. He said, It's truth. It made me burst out laughing. Um, Crystal submitted, uh, also this ship separates into tree sections. We have never tried that either. Uh, Lucas, but I know the only thing I regret in my life is leaving you. He said, I won't deny that human beings are very capable of doing things that they know they'll regret in the future, but it's not very romantic. He's essentially saying, I don't want to leave you. Well, goodbye. Um, what else do we have? Uh, Andrew, are you sure captain? It's not Pluto's regular moon. Um, (laughs) that's just more, uh, science talk. We have Harris. Well, sir, I was wondering if we had any kinds of shields, sir, like on Star Trek. Um, so that's, again, you, you, you pointed out that that was deemed a good question by the, by the Admiral. Uh, Ben focused on the waste goes to an area where the water is separated from the waste and the waste is dried. And then the waste is taken to the greenhouse to be used as a fertilizer. And we do add a lot of things to the waste. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then we finally have Tris, who said we have a view screen that was connected to their observatory computer and a new radio waves emissions meter that was so actuate that you could detect if a planet had water or land or oxygen and what gases there was on the moon. Thank you, Dar- Dwight David Thresh. <laughs> oh, man, a lot of good uh, dumb sum- sentence submissions. I think this definitely broke the record. Uh, we could not read them all, and we covered a lot of them in the thing. But thank you for submitting them, and thank you for everyone who is a Patreon supporter who submitted one. Uh, like you said, we posted a, uh, a bonus dark web sketch to Patreon. Uh, we posted Lauren's uh, critique of this, which people really seem to enjoy, critique of the introduction. And uh, we obviously appreciate everyone who is supporting us on there. It's patreon.com slash 372 pages. Uh, I don't know what we're up to there, but it's it's approaching 500 Ooh, uh, with nice. this new book. So, yeah, it's a uh, quite a thing. We have 478, so 22 people up there. Uh, we'll do something special once we hit 500. Um, join us. It's a lot of fun, and we really appreciate it. Yes, we, we do indeed. Do you have a dumb sentence that wasn't hasn't been covered? I think I do. Oh, okay, go go with yours. I have uh, one that again, no fireworks, but uh, interesting. Okay, yeah. Uh, this was uh, thank you, Lieutenant. This is David. Thank you, Lieutenant. 
I was just sitting here looking out my dining room window in unbelief. (laughs) (laughs) So that one, he has uh, coined a new term, um, which I, you know, I've got to say I I admire. It's, uh, I might start working that in. Yeah. Uh, in distress. Yeah. No, when you go to distress, uh, this one is, I believe he's talking about the, the moon, the, the fake moon, the death star. Okay. Sure. We do know how much more advanced they are from our ship. <laughs> from, from our, wait, what? In some ways they are carbon based, which makes them much more advanced than our ship. From, yeah. from our ship. <laughs> oh, just, uh. Another uh, idiosyncratic way to confuse everything. Like, wait, it comes out of the ship from, I don't know. Anyway. No, I, yeah. Or, or like, you know, ba- f- from the readings our ship gives us, we can tell they are more advanced than us, which of course is not how that works grammatically, but could be what he means. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> their ship or that their ship is more, you know, anyway, why, why give him the benefit of the doubt? He hasn't earned it. If you had, if I had given you Vegas odds on something that uh, there's a, there's an author out there who is a a good deal worse than Dwight David Thrash. Would you have? I mean, I'm sure. Oh, man. Well, that, that probably warrants a poll. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if I would do that. I think that the, oh, man. I mean, do you think he is? I think he's worse than Dwight David Thrash. I don't think with a gun to my head I could answer that question. I might have to say DDT just because all the copy and paste is just such its own unique thing yeah all right if you took that out i don't i but taking it out you'd have you know you'd have 10 percent of the book left over yeah i, I just I think mean, the the errors in this and the 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 typos and everything the inability to even recognize when a word is very very wrong <laughs> just puts it at a different level whereas dwight david thrash was just he had his obsessions and things, and there were typos, but there weren't, I don't know, this just seems to be another level. But I'll leave that okay. to our listeners to decide. Yeah, we'll put up a poll on Patreon. Um, here we go with uh, time to do some emails. We're going to the party. We're going to the game. We're going to the dinner. And going to cruise out, man. We're still in Pivot, man. Still in Pivot, man. So a lot of mail, you say. People just aren't taking this as straightforward uh, face value and uh, moving on with their lives. They have things no, to say about this. It is inspiring a, a torrent of of, of emails. Uh, probably have reached the word count of the book based on the emails people sent us. So we <laughs> cannot get to them all, but uh, maybe we'll read some more at the end of the uh, at the end of the book. Uh, first one we have. This is a, a a theme people are sort of seizing on. That's from Harris. To add into authors, this guy reminds me of William S. Burroughs. There is something unintentionally beat poet about the long, long paragraphs full of half, half sentences where multiple people speak pidgin English. He says, I know they're technically typos. And the surreal is treated as commonplace and the to- commonplace is treated as surreal. I've so, never read of you. I haven't either. I think he was maybe focused on a, on one of Tom Waits' weirder albums, reading one of his poems. Oh, that which... makes utter sense. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but, uh, sure. We'll we'll take his word for it. But, uh, this next one is uh, another comparison from Maggie, a bit lower brow. For some reason, reading early into reading moon people, I got into my head that the stream of consciousness style of writing with very little breaks sounds like it was written by someone hopped up on cocaine. Of course, my first, first thought went to this scene in Corky Romano. (laughs) (laughs) And I believe this is a movie you've told me you, you saw in the theater. I did. I did. I think I saw it with Kevin Murphy. All right. Uh, so she submitted a, a clip so we can hear that clip. It's a little loud. Clapping's a little loud. Yes, question, question. 
question? You have a question? You don't have a question? You don't? You don't? You do? You don't? It's kind of hot in here, isn't it? They're making pants tighter now, right? I don't know, because I'm not. I don't wear jeans. Yes. Question. I should buy a boat. Don't you think? No. Question. So yeah, that's a. Uh, she says now I can't stop hearing the book as a story being told by a coked up Chris Catan. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a difference between coked up Chris Catan and non? Yeah. I don't think so. But she says it puts a whole new spin on the long paragraphs to think of an attempt to get everything out in one hyper breath. Meanwhile, my husband and I are watching the Contamination Rift Tracks. That's one we did recently. Uh, I know, And notice that the Tom Clancy as Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan and Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan guy at the beginning has a baseball hat with 222 on it. What? Yeah. So wow. it's going to be a... Uh, we're going to have a, a Repo Man plate of shrimp effect, I think, with this... Uh, People are going to see him everywhere, which means you've been blessed by an angel. So, you know, uh, count your blessings. An astrological angel, though. Those might be evil. We're not sure. So. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the precious moments figures are are very evil. Yeah. So uh, this one comes from Michelle. She says, I haven't been a listener of your podcast since day one, despite the fact I'm a pretty bad reader. Maybe it's an undiagnosed learning disability, or maybe I've developed a short attention span from a childhood of sugar cereal and a dreaded MTV in any case, I find myself picking up great works of literature, Huck Finn, Hundred Years of Solitude, Eye of Argon, Wuthering Heights, and finding my brain slides off the page. At 34, I've made peace with this and try to live my life in relative happiness. This all changed when I heard you discuss the intro and dedication of Moon People. I paused <laughs> the podcast and immediately dropped $10 on the ebook, finishing it over the course of a few days. I apologize to my wife for reading her passages about Lunar Base 1, 2, and 3 during our Valentine's Day lunch. I've only read... <laughs> I've only read two other books with such enthusiasm. Alexandros Solzhenitsyn, One Day in the Life of Ivan Desinovich, and Kurt Vonnegut's Slaughterhouse Five. Second Vonnegut, Slaughterhouse oh, Five just, comparison. You just set yourself up that, that reading of. Uh, yeah, okay. Solzhenitsyn's you, A Day in the Life of Ivan Denisovich. So, yeah. Well, how do you say it, Mr. Uh, Tolstoy translator? I'm going to put it out there as a day in the life of Ivan Denisovich. But uh, I, you know, what did I say? Uh, well, let's go back and check the date. Uh, <laughs> you, you, can, you can look, you can hold my hand to the fire on Ogden, but like, all right, come on. I, I didn't, I didn't say anything. I, I just <laughs> pointed it out. I said, do you want to amend it? You have a chance to, if you want I'm to. not going to, okay. because I don't know how that is pronounced. Okay. I, <laughs> my last name has been pronounced in comical ways throughout my entire life. Sure. Sure. Uh, Moving on. So, yeah, he says, Dale M. Courtney has taken his place among the giants of humanist literature. Thanks for bo both for the work you do. I'm proud to support you on Patreon. Thank you for that. I'm glad we're upping the reading game. And uh, how romantic um, reading that on <laughs> Valentine's Day. Yes. I assume well, you kissed passionately and then stopped. Yeah. I mean, imagine if you were reading that at Red Lobster. They <laughs> <laughs> yeah. settle down. The, ch we, the chafing, man. Ooh, yeah. Uh, here comes one from Seth. I found another book where a 222 special shows up. What is going on? I'm going to read it to you, and then you can see if you can guess where it's from. Karen follows Blade as he travels the streets at night, battling vampires and turning them into ones and zeros so that they can be rendered as unconvincing effects. His duty done, he goes to Denny's and orders their Grand Slam breakfast where he substitutes blood for the two eggs, blood for the two pancakes, blood for the two strips of crisp bacon, but keeps the hash browns and just has them with ketchup. Oh, wow. So is there a, there was a series of Blade movies, right? Yes. Yeah. Is this and this one was this one was written up in Mike Nelson's movie Mega Cheese. Oh, they attached oh a screenshot and. 
he says it's probably not as significant as i think but <laughs> <laughs> wow i told him i would run that by and see if uh, if you picked up on it and i'm proud to report that it appears you did not <sighs> come on man i mean i've got my brain is stuffed right now with uh, a try separating moon bases i can't remember that <laughs> far back so let's i mean you know let's have our our readers be honest our listeners be honest with themselves and uh which is more uh which is more worthy of ridicule not being able to pronounce the name of some russian guy who lived 100 years ago or uh not being able to recognize uh part of your own book that you spent uh, months of your life working on you're really you're really going to weaponize our <laughs> delightful <laughs> listeners out there and turn Did them Nisevich, all what? turn them all against me for something so small all right i don't know i don't know connor <laughs> All right, a couple more. This one is from Peter, Patreon supporter. I work for NASA Johnson Space Center in the Flight Operations Directorate. So we have a uh, we have an expert who's about to weigh in. It will surprise exactly no one that there is not a single statement or idea in this book that overlaps with my observations of the agency at which I've worked for the past 15 years. <laughs> this, the phrasing in that one is very is very nice. Not everything is wrong, but uh, he says there are many head scratchers, uh, for instance, interplanetary spacecraft named Lunar Base 1, 2, and 3, WTF, that I wouldn't know where to start. I'm even starting to doubt Mr. Courtney's stated CV. But on the positive side, I'm loving the real or fanfic possibilities. My theory is that this book or series of books is either a long con gotcha on behalf of the author, or this is the result of a lost bet with his fishing buddies, or my favorite theory, you know, Courtney is actually... An 11-year-old sci-fi fan, and this is his fantasy projection that we've all got to enjoy. Feeling a big, sexy smile creep across my face. Peter, Patreon subscriber, and read-along listener since Bob Honey. Yeah, we'll see that. I go with that theory, except for then you have the disturbing, uh, you know, making love with Sheral all night long. Uh But as we said, that's, you know, that's written like a, a, you know, the first 13-year-old who's saying that he touched someone's boobs on the outside of his sweater at at lunch. Yeah, I guess if we settled on 13, but even then, some of the pros is is like, this is a 13-year-old who has never read a book, so. (laughs) Yes. It's a, uh, you know, until we we get an interview, um, again, do not harass the author. It'll be hard to know. He'll use one of those Uh, voice synthesizers, so the mystery will remain. Yes. Yeah, but then you'll hear like, you know, Dale, it's it's lunchtime. Come get your come get your lunchables. And I guess that will still still leave us ambiguous. Right. Tomato soup and uh, half a grilled cheese. <laughs> All right, I got two more. This one's from Heather. I know I already sent a dumb sentence this week, but I had to send this along. Uh, this is Heather who has written in before about her, her sons who listened to this with her. Although 12-year-old Billy is getting a kick out of moon people, his little brother Danny, who is 10, can't get enough. He was bummed he had to go to bed early tonight, so I made him feel better by reading him chapter 11 of Moon People before lights out. <laughs> Dan Dan can't get over the fact that there are almost no commas in the book, and the sentence structure makes him laugh and laugh and laugh. We have the hard copy, and this is how he describes the front cover. Front cover art. First, there's the Death Star wearing a tactical visor. Then there's this long thing that looks like a bomb. Then there's this giant guy in the teeny tiny spaceship that's as big as the guy. How did this happen? As a cherry on top, Dan insisted on reading the blurb on the back cover to me, and because he is 10, we are apparently entering the Age of Aquariums. <laughs> 372 pages bringing families together. Oh, it's, wow. it, it warms the heart, doesn't it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how they would have taken Chapter 9, but I mean, maybe they... Right. Maybe Billy's going to want to go to Red Lobster for his 13th birthday or something. <laughs> hey, now. Hey, now. <laughs> um, finally, we have one from Chris who has uh, reached out to his buddy at a satellite imaging company. Um, so he provided us with some helpful asteroid facts. 
A 10-mile asteroid is the same size as the one that wiped out the dinosaurs and created the Gulf of Mexico, so it's a pretty big rock, and it would wreck global civilization, but it is not a planet killer. I, I mean, I mean, okay, we can, we can quibble about that definition. Um, if it hit the sun, it wouldn't do jack shit besides make a bunch of astronomers happy and look pretty cool for a few weeks. That's good to know. <laughs> Uh, 25,000 miles up is the upper limit of our satellites. Uh, so an asteroid that big would, uh, mess up the orbit of anything it passed even sort of close to, and I imagine it's pretty crowded up there by 2048. And it seems odd. No one is panicking about the imminent collapse of global communications networks and the possible destruction of their stupid orbiting colony ships, which is what they actually should be worried about. So I'm glad we have experts weighing in on this. It's, uh, you know, as opposed to doing their jobs but uh yeah i suppose yeah. they all have their uh their uh time to distress back in uh, back in their rooms once they're done so i'm glad this is how what they choose to distress with uh i wish he'd given us a description of his rig there and uh what he's sitting at what his panel looks like <laughs> yeah nasa was it what was nasa guy's name nasa uh peter yeah get some rig descriptions preferably in the form of one long sentence please. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, I think that that brings us to the uh, final third of Moon People, which we'll finish with the next time. I believe the the Kindle version has some crazy stuff at the end of it, like an author bio that was clearly in the template that he uh, filled in and left a lot of the template there. So um, if you got the Kindle version, uh, we'll probably discuss that as well. Yeah, that maybe the one that I have. I just breezed over it when I my eye stopped on Sheral. So uh, yeah, I think that's where that comes from. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm. I'm sad to see it come to an end, and at the same time, it also is getting pretty tedious to read. <laughs> but thank you, everyone. Thank you, Patreon people. Thank you, all the listeners. This has been 372 pages. We'll never get back. I'm Mike Nelson. I'm Connor Lestuka. See you next time. <laughs>